Welcome to episode 410 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, our team, welcome along to episode 14 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? Pretty good. And good. You? We got you some Easter eggs. I'm pretty happy about that. I haven't really had much. Yeah, because he does, John doesn't get to have many Easter eggs because he's, he's a good father and he wants to look after his kids. You don't do the old sneaky for you and Belinda at night? Uh, we do the old marshmallow one here and there, but I've, I have not had a cream egg yet. Cream egg? I can't mm. believe you had a cream egg. Do you like cream egg? I do like a bit of cream oh, egg. There you go. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Thank you. Um, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com. Have you had lots of cross buns? Again, failed on that front. Oh, really? Yeah, Belinda wasn't too happy about that. Yeah, they must have some hot cross buns and with the coffees of Hawaii. Perfect yeah. combination. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Okay. Listen to the interview last week. Get on it. Extreme endurance. Electric buffer. And trainerroad.com. We're going to have an interview with these guys today, so listen for that later on in the show. Okay, in this week's show, we've got... Let me pull up my little show notes here, John. We've got show notes. This one here, 14. Okay, we have uh, news followed up by... Uh, discussion of the week followed up by we've got two interviews today one with the Philinator yep uh, Philinator Pat, Phil Patterson yep and then we've got Nate from Trainer Road mm-hmm. which is we're going to be starting a cool team thing between everyone on the show mm-hmm. we've got recipe of the week we have and that was submitted to me by uh, Nemo and she popped it to me on email I'll give that a go. It is gold. And Belinda even repeated it yesterday and uh, made it. So. I saw the photo of Thomas. Yeah. He's, he's growing up. Yeah. I don't see your kids that much because no. I don't really see them once a year at the race. Yeah. And uh, he's becoming a little boy now, isn't he? He's, oh, not, yeah. he's not like a child anymore. He's like a little young man. He's a young man. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Uh, and then so I, I think I've got one question to answer at the end. Okay, guys. Challenges Taiwan happened last weekend and good old Dylan McNeese. Kind of was dominating the dojo and started to fade and it looked like it was a pretty exciting finish. Uh, but interesting to hear from Dylan what it was like on the run because uh, as it turned out, he only ended up winning by, what's that? Uh, 30 six, seconds, wasn't it? 16, 30, 38 seconds yeah. from Frederick Cronenberg. But he did his usual dojo domination in the swim, 46-11 versus most of the other guys were coming out in sort of 52 to 55. And then a good solid ride, 4.29. He had eight minutes off the bike. That is 4.29, that's averaging 40 k's an hour yeah it's pretty good um so very solid on the bike and then faded a bit on the run and only ran oh where's the run split there uh run split 303 303 yeah and he's he's run better than that you know and it sounded like it was reasonably hot uh, he may have been cruising he may have been fading badly exploding and hanging on for dear life but uh you know he, he's got the capacity to sort of run more like 255-ish um possibly a little bit lower on, a, on an exceptional day but still got the job done and I'm sure he would have had a fair idea what was happening behind him but 38 seconds is starting to get pretty close it is really isn't it and especially because you're fading you know yes. like you know like when you're fading and you're holding on for dear life and the guys behind you are catching you pretty quickly it's uh it's a pretty scary time but he held on he got he, it was on the news it was on one news oh, yeah it had really good coverage yeah great coverage you know t- challenge taiwan and new zealand's main news it was pretty mm. pretty impressive mm. so that was good and then the thing is that Freddie Cronenberg, who was coming up from behind, 
yeah, he was running faster than him, but he, Dylan was running at 3.03 versus 2.56. It wasn't like, yeah. say you have a Marinda Carfrey coming up behind you and she's running 2.50 and you're running 3.15 yeah. or something. Then she's coming up real quick. So uh, I think what I really like about Dylan's racing is he, he, he's winning two races a season now. He's got Challenge Wanaka and, and, and um, Taiwan, and, and hopefully he'll, he'll do some good stuff in Europe this year, whereas last year he didn't. But it's just smart racing. He's going to races where he's making really good money. Um, still, I mean, yeah, you tick those two boxes off, and I don't know. I can't. I think maybe make about thirty grand out of those two. Yep. Um, and so he's not you're not making a massive living out of it. But that's boom. You, you're okay for the year, and then everything else you can sort of uh, hopefully start to build on that. And to be honest, you know, he's winning races. He's he's got on New Zealand News twice, so it's good for sponsorship. So he's he's probably oh. making you know like he's probably not going to be retiring on this, but he's having a, probably a pretty good effort life around. Mm choosing races wisely and uh, being successful in those races. Yeah, so it's, it's great that he's found his feet um, at, a, at a distance because he's, yeah, he never really quite got it at, at, at the short course stuff and now he's gone, especially with his biking, I'm just so impressed with that because when he was doing Olympic distance and what have you, he was not that strong on the bike. You know, he'd be, because of his swim, he'd always be with the front group and then he'd often be getting quite often get dropped on the bike I'm talking like world champ series stuff yeah. um, but now he, his bike is, is, is a real weapon and he's just strong solo efforts and again same as usual and it's always going to be the same if he has to win races he's out the front by himself for 8 hours and 23 minutes yeah, <laughs> all yeah. solo uh, so I'm excited to see what he'll do well, in Europe what, what, what do you think is the next stage of him you know he's done well in these, these kind of probably second tier races yeah you know and he's, he's doing really well here and like bloody good work we just you know like he's still kind of youngish isn't he? he's probably only like 20s yep yep or maybe early 30s no no he's not early. he's not he's not certainly not 30 he's uh he's either mid or late 20s he's probably late 20s because yeah. i remember he was around when i was he was a swim kid when i was first started i but anyway um well, I know for a fact he's doing an Ironman, a WTC Ironman later this year, and then... Do you know which one? Yes, I do, but I'm not sure if it's... Uh, official? Official yet, so uh, I th- I'm not sure what challenge races he's doing, whether he's doing rote or, or what the deal is there, but then yeah, then he'll try his hand at Ironman and uh, see see how he goes from there, I think. So it's it's just such a different ball game. You know, when he when his strength now, you know, you clearly see his solo TTing and he gets the job done. He's still a great swimmer, but if he goes to a rote or somewhere else, yeah, he's probably still going to be solo off the front in the swim, but he's not going to be soloing on the bike. You know, guys riding up to him. It'll be really interesting to see how how he races when he's got other people around him. Well, what's really interesting about that is you can look at it and go, well, you know, maybe that will do his head in, but then maybe you'll be able to conserve more and run better. Mm. You know, so like, you know, like he's riding a 429 in Taiwan. Now, I don't know the course. I don't know if it's a fast course. And it looks like it obviously was because lots of guys went around that 430 mark. But he did that TT. Now... If he gets in a pack and he can ride similar times, maybe he loses four or five minutes off his run. So you're saying maybe mm. he can get down to like a, a sub-250 runner if, mm. you know, who knows? Who knows? So, yeah, we had Dylan McNeese first at uh, 8.23, Frederick Cronenberg second at 8.24. As close racing, he had Jason Shortus, the super vet man, yeah, coming through. he must be mid-40s now. Yeah, he'd be, he would be. Yeah. yeah. He certainly would be. He's closer to 45 than he is 40, I think. Yeah. Uh, Jason Shortest came in in third place in 8.25. Still running sub three. It's pretty impressive. And the girls, good old Britta Martin. Yes. She smashed it. 9.02. What, what was most impressive about this is her run split, uh, 3.04. And you wow. compare that to a lot of the guys. Dylan did 3.03. Yeah. 
and only a couple of the guys went sub well, threes. Well, it's impressive because if you look at Dylan's run, or you look at the runs guys, you know, they're all around, the, the faster guys are all kind of between that kind of 255 to 310. So Britta did 4304, and then all the girls after that are around 330. Mm. So she smashed them. She did. So 58 swim, 454 on the bike, and a 304 run. So Britta is... She um, won by nearly 20, 20, about 28 minutes. Uh, she, I'm not sure if she races for Germany or New Zealand. She lives in New Zealand. Um, Monaco. But... Uh, no, I think she's up in Blenheim. I okay. think she goes out with Robin Reed. I think. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So outstanding race. I'm not sure if it's her first iron distance race or not. Whether she's done Challenge Monaco. I know she was down. She's. I know she's done halves and stuff. But I'm not sure if this is her first. Um, so John, first what's her future? Because that's that's a bloody good time. It and is. it's a pretty complete race. Let's have a look. What's this one yeah. like? Nine Swim's average. Bike's strong. Runs amazing. Mm. Nine oh two. Uh, and it's you know look at the guys' times. That they were eight twenty. So she's only forty minutes behind reasonable guys. You know that's that's a pretty solid performance. So yeah, the swim's a little bit on the, on the weak side. But um, that run, if she can keep backing that up, you know, it's pretty impressive. Nine oh two, solid. Then we had Jessica Fleming and then Belinda Granger come in on a third. And her 50th Iron Distance race. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's Jeez. a lot of racing. She's a good chick. She'll yes. be in Kona this year. She's always there. Yes. She lives there. It's a part-time holiday. Yeah. Um, okay, we also had up last weekend, let me put my show notes again, my show notes. No, we didn't have any other races last No other races? Weekend. Okay, well, probably the other big piece of news we got this week, and it's kind of a topical to our discussion this week because it kind of eliminates us kind of everybody talking about it, but... Andrew Messick had an interview and he was basically saying that they will be looking at doing a different age group start for males and females at this year's Kona. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting reading. Did you read it? Yep. Yeah, so it was interesting. A couple. Of, I've written down some key points, but one, one thing he was saying is that the peer is actually not the issue, so we don't need to no longer extend the peer. <laughs> for those 25s. So how is your training going, by the way? Yeah, yeah, they keep going. That's just the month of June, wasn't it? might have been yeah, yeah. yeah. anyway um, he was saying that the real issue is congestion so he's saying that within a 15 minute period 1100 mm-hmm. athletes was it? Yeah, 1100 athletes leave the water and start on the bike so that congestion is you know, the problem with Kona is the field's also strong that everyone's kind of of similar ability so that you get this massive congestion so that obviously they think that if they split the female and age group start and male age group start then their ability to add more people to the course and, and kind of mix up that congestion will, mm. you know, disperse. So I think it will. It'll help a bit. It'll still be a massive problem, you know. Um, but then the question is, uh, so is the aim to get more slots in by doing this? Yes, that's a very much the way that I read the article. Is uh, Well, there's two outcomes. I think that is their, their key motivator, is to be able to try to have more people on the course. As a secondary, uh, it looks like, you know, trying to create a... Um, less congestion in the swim as well so it's a little bit safe but not safer or just less congested in the swim uh, especially for the females who might may sometimes feel they get beaten up a bit more by some some big males so I think those are the two outcomes they're looking for but certainly the way I read it is the the stronger motivator is to try to find ways to get more people on the course without diminishing the experience so some other things he talked about was the this was an article that was on triathlete.com Competitor.com? Do you just call it Triathlete or Competitor? Triathlete magazine. Okay. Um, so just that they're not going to be reducing slots at traditional events. So now they're adding more events around around the world. And the question was, well, we know pretty much Australasia, 
you know, certain parts of Europe and America are pretty kind of strong for Ironman and you seem to be kind of broadening your reach. And he was saying that, no, those traditional races, we want to keep the slots around a similar kind of level that they're at right now, but we definitely will be lessening the amount at 70.3s. So which is should. Yeah, which is good news. So I imagine the championship races will probably still have them, but other than that, uh, then when it comes to the 70.3s, there's going to be a better spread of slots moving forward. So traditionally, the US had more slots for the 70.3 champs. Uh, they're going to be lessening the amount of Americans and putting more in the European races. And he said that pretty much you're going to look at it, a thousand slots in the US, thousand in Europe, and 1500 in Australasia, which seems about right, doesn't it? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. There's 25. Uh, the one <coughs> thing that came out today is now 25 70.3s in the States. In the States, yeah, that's pretty impressive. A lot of races. Well, when you think about it, <clears throat> each state in America has millions of people. Mm. So when you think there's 52 states, is it 52 or 50? Don't know, something no, like that. neither. Um, you count the stars, don't you? They do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so if we know that, you know, so actually it's not that many mm. when you think of them, that big scheme yeah. of things. Um, the only thing I wonder is how appealing to the Americans is the European races? You know, like, you know, like most people around the world will travel to races, but do Americans travel over? Like, I know there's a, there's a niche part of Americans who will mm. go to overseas races, but. Will, will a thousand slots to a European race appeal to Americans? I think a lot less. Like Kiwis and Aussies and stuff, we're real travellers. Yeah. And, and, and for the Europeans, you know, they'll travel abroad because it's, you know, the pom- you poms do. will just go to Europe yeah. just because it's, it's, it's an hour away. And it's no different to going anywhere else. But yeah, I think you're, you're, you're right. There's a, a niche part of the, the, the American market that, that travelled overseas to races, but most of them, you know, there's enough races over there to, to do domestically. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see if those thousand spots. For American athletes going to where is it this year? Austria this year or Austria next year? Austria next year, Switzerland next this year, year, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, it's Sweden. In, uh, no, it's in um, uh, Montreal this year. That's right. But next year is Sweden, is it? And then the year after that's no, Germany. You're getting confused. I am getting confused. Yeah. We're, Sweden's we're, ITU World Champs. Uh, so where's 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 Austria next year for? Yes, seventy point three. Not always confused. Lastly, he just kind of said that the swim starts are asking about swim starts, and he's saying that look, we will be keeping some mass level starts. But the interesting thing is, from the kind of surveys that do post races, that people really like the the split starts or the rolling starts, and they actually get a high level of satisfaction scores than what they do with the the mass mm-hmm. starts. So. So I'm interested to see what impact this is going to have for the race in Kona. For someone like me, it's going to have zero impact at all in terms of not having females there. I mean, there may be one or two females that swim. So what, how do you think they'll do it? Do you think they'll go guys first, girls second? I certainly hope so. If they don't, it's going to be absolute chaos. Yeah, it seems. So I think the real problem is going to be for the the top for, for the for singers, m- swimmers, m- yeah. middle middle to, to back of the pack females. I think that's going to be fantastic. They'll have a less congested race and just be able to to do their thing. For the front end girls, uh, they're going to have to go through a lot of people on the bike. So I would hope that there's going to be a 15 minute gap. If if they make it like a five minute gap, it's just going to be so really unfair for those. Good female swimmers, they're just going to have to swim through a ton of people. If they let, if they do it at fifteen minutes, they they'll, they'll have to swim through some people, but probably not too much of an issue. But those top females, they're going to have some real issues on the bike. They're just going to have to pass hundreds and hundreds of people on the bikes. So, which is a, which is a kind of a pain in the butt, really. I suppose the thing I wonder, John, is so. Kona traditionally starts males and female pros around 6.45, don't they? Yep. And then the age group start at 7. seven. So do they then start male, the pros a lot earlier? So the pros start now starting at half past? won't be able to. I, 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 yeah, wait and see, but my prediction would be that the, we'll still see the, the age group race start at 7 and then the girls will start, I would have thought they're going to put it 10 to 15 minutes behind. So then what happens with the cutoff? I don't know. 
It's interesting, but isn't it? You know, because you know, like for a lot of people in Kona, they may have got those legacy slots, or they may have got um, a lottery slot. And, you know, and that, that seventeen-hour finish mark is kind of a cool thing at Kona. Mm. And if you started fifteen minutes later, mm. then it'd be interesting if you've got a guy and a girl running. Yeah, and together, once disqualified, one's you're, not. You're fifteen minutes yeah. behind. You're okay. Don't go down that little chute. Yeah. yeah so there's, there's, there's logistical kind of questions that need to be explored, but it definitely seems like a good good move. Um, and it'll be interesting mm. to see then. So what's what's the numbers we traditionally get at Kona? It's about 1,800, isn't it? So then I wonder if they do this, how many more they think they can get in? Like, do you think we're going to see a 2,500 race eventually? Oh, I wouldn't have thought so. But yeah. I think if you can get another couple of hundred in there, it's quite that, you know, that's 200 slots, 50 races, that's another four Ironmans that can have 50 slots. So, yeah, so interesting. Okay, um, uh, when it comes to the Challenge Ironman Challenge, Ironman Taiwan's been put on, John. I'm a bit disappointed in this, to be honest. Tell me about it, John. Because they've, they've just gone and put a race in Taiwan. Challenge has been working hard for a couple of years. They've built up a good race. I think they had about 1,500 people overall and they're half and they're full over there, really helping the sport develop in Asia. And then Ironman comes and does a race in Taiwan. I suppose that's not that such bad a thing. Then they go and put it basically on the same weekend as Challenge. And it's just, I think it's pretty poor. Really do. Pretty poor effort. But are we devil's advocate here? It's competition. It is. And it's, the market it's business. Speak. But yeah, it's, uh, I just think it's not in the best interest of the sport. So shame on you, WTC. Okay. It's an interesting question. Joe and I were talking about this the other day, Jumbo. Easter eggs now. You go to the warehouse and you can buy... Have a little bit. You carry yeah, on. You get into it. Yep. Yep. Um, he's got a bunny egg here as well. Yep. yep. Um, but we go, you go to the warehouse, which is kind of New Zealand's version of like a big Walmart or what would, what would that be in it's Europe? A, uh, it's I'd say warehouse is more budget than Walmart. Almost warehouse is pretty low. low is it a, Walmart's pretty budget as well, yeah, isn't it? I suppose it, it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but anyway, so it's kind of like one of those types of places, and and you go to Easter time, and nowadays they sell eggs that are like two kg, you know, like these mm. these mammoth eggs, and which if you got for a kid, it just seems a little bit irresponsible. Okay. And the question Joe and I were having is, is it the warehouse's responsibility, or is it the consumer's responsibility? Mm. And and it was a, it was an interesting discussion to have. And in this situation, it's kind of one of those as well. Is like, well, is it really is it bad form for WTC, or is it mm. they see market forces, you know, like it's it's a you can see both sides of the argument, really, can't you? Yeah, it certainly can. Yeah. Challenge Road have really, you know, 30 years this year, which is an awesome thing, and it looks like they've got a pretty strong field. It's going to be quality on the guys. Yeah, I'm man. very excited to see what happens on this guy's race because they've got uh, Luke McKenzie, Pete Jacobs, Dirk Bockle, James Kananama, and Timo Brack. I think Timo Brack's going to be out of the game because those guys are going to start smashing it. But what I'm really interested to see is what the tactics are on the bike because McKenzie, Jacobs, and Bockle will probably come out of the swim together. Yep. Whether they go... Right, let's go for this and do a record. We've seen how fast Bockel went there. Uh, was it last year? Last year, yeah. 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 I, don't know. I can't remember. They won he last did. year, didn't he? He, 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 did, he blew Kona. I can't remember what time he did, but it was pretty it was, bloody was fast. Yeah, yeah. And we've seen what um, uh, Ray Lurk can do there by himself. If you have three guys going for on the bike, like they did the year when you had Hal Regal, um, Zach, and I think Leader maybe together, just smashing it on the bike, see how fast these guys can go. And if they... If, if they put a really nice bonus up for them, say, right, if somebody can go at 7.30, we'll... Uh, Do you we'll, think that's we'll, possible? 7.30? Well, but yeah, um, what's his name? Ray that went 43. 7.43. 13 minutes is a lot at that speed, but... Mm, it is, but... Uh, no, he did it by himself. No, that, that he was, did it solo. But that wasn't... That was, didn't he do that in no, Austria? He did, no, he did it right. Oh, was it? Definitely right. So, yeah, <clears> if they put up some crazy target for them to do... And they go, right, hey guys, if we do this, maybe we can uh, split the money somehow in, in terms of uh, really going for it. The problem is for someone great. like McKenzie, 
He's not going to have to run with Jacobs and Bockel. Probably not. It's true. But then again, his only strategy is to ride like a mofo. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like if he's going to go to win, he's got to try actually try to drop those boys. Yeah. If they hang with him. Yeah. Now, now Jacobs traditionally wasn't the strongest cyclist, but in the last few years, although last year he didn't have the greatest year, but it seems like he was injured. But, you know, when he won Cone, he definitely had a pretty mean ride, didn't he? Mm. So it's, it, yeah, look, it could be a really great race, couldn't it? It could, it could be fantastic. And, and likewise, on the girls' side of things, you're going to have lots of dynamics there. They've signed up Rinny, uh, Joycey, Caroline Steffen, Van Vlerken, and Vesterby. So very similar dynamic there. You know, Vesterby's a great swimmer. Joycey's a great swimmer. Steffen's a solid swimmer. If those three get together and really start jamming it on the bike, you know, you're going to put a bit of uh, bit of heat on, on Rinny and Van Vlerken. And we, we know that Rinny is amazing in Kona, but we've never really seen her race an Ironman outside of Kona from, from memory. She came and did Ironman New Zealand one year. Didn't have um, a great race. Didn't have a great race. And then she she's always... Last year she just kind of ticked the box. Ticked the box. Yeah. And I can't remember what she's done in previous years. I'm sure she's had some good races, but hasn't had nothing memorable. Mental. Yeah, nothing yeah. where we go, oh my God, I remember like Bockle in this race. But yeah. But then again, you look at those top three girls, they are Kona's best. You know, those are the girls we talk about every year, aren't they? And this is, I guess this is a, uh, a bit of a conundrum for WTC. All these people here that are racing have ticked their, their Kona qualifications, so they don't have to go and do WTC races. Yep. They don't give a crap where they're ranked or anything like that. They've, they've basically ticked Been the box, they've all that. done their Ironman, and, um, and they're sweet. The only one that hasn't is Pete Jacobs, so I don't know where he's planning on qualifying. Has he not ticked the box? No. Has he not kind of just turned up yet? No, but he, he does literally just have to Yeah, he just has to turn up and mm. just kind of wander through a race, doesn't he? Mm. Mm. So, what do you think of Jacobs this year? You know, like, because last year it was not a good year for him. We seemed to have a few injury problems and Kona just wasn't there. And Whereas if we look at Jacobs before last year, there was this real obvious growth path. And mm. if anything, he was always a bloody consistent racer. You know, like he was always that guy like, wow, man, he just keeps on doing well, you know? And, and it was just like for years on years, he just kept getting better and kept delivering. John's just killing this chocolate, mm. aren't you? <laughs> You're loving it. <laughs> but, but and, you know, so he had a tough year last year. Oh, he'll be back. But oh, of course, and he's mm. obviously a quality athlete. So, but I wonder how much of it's a confidence thing. Oh, you know, he'll be back. He'll be, he'll be sweet. Yep. It was just good. But would you put him as a contender for Kona then? Oh, certainly. He's got the full package because he's... he's got the full package. Well, he's, he's great. He's full package, Jacobs. Yep. He's always going to be there. You're not going to have that brownie sort of uh, macca and crowy to extent. Oh, geez, I hope he's going to make it in the swim. Otherwise, he's going to have to chase on the bike. Jacobs is always going to be there. So he's got to ride with the group. And you know, he's he's arguably the... F- not, no, he's not quite the fastest runner, but, but he's, he's the fastest yeah. swimmer. Yeah, you know, you've got faster guys, uh, the fastest runner out of a lot of them. And he's shown he can do it time and time again in Kona. So last year he just had a had a shitter and, yeah, not not totally surprising coming off the year of, of winning. Okay, so the question I have, John, one interesting observation about this is it's kind of the first year the old guys are gone. The what, sorry? The old guys. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you look at this race, this is kind of one of these stellar fields we're going to see this year. Mm. And it's none of the, the names we've talked about in the last few years. Whereas in the Brown, last Brownie, Ferris, Macca, Crowey. Yeah, all those kind of names. You know, traditionally Rote would have one of those types of guys turning up. Mm. And uh, you know, we've even got like Bockles is getting a little bit older in his in his kind of athletic career, but he's still, you know, still oh, yeah. pretty strong. But you know, like it is interesting, this year is probably the first year like Alexander did Melbourne, but it didn't do that well, you know. And mm. so like it is that first year. You know, for for the last few years, we have been talking about well, when's the next generation coming through, and I, and I think this is the first year when we can actually say, well, they're, they're, they're now there. It's mm. now their time that you know the Jacobs, the 
you know, all these next level guys are starting to come through. So it's good stuff. It should be good times. Okay, the Legacy Program athletes have been announced, plus the lottery winners. And we had a, apparently 200 athletes entered in for the Legacy Program and 100 of them got the slots. So then as long as they try to validate next year, the next 100 will be guaranteed slots next year yeah. is what I kind of understand. So poor old uh, uh, reigning reigning Blue 70 Aquathon. Uh, Dave Fish? Yeah, he didn't get a slot. Like, uh, he, he, was in the, he was in the pool of 200 and didn't get it. He was gutted about it. I wonder that. how they just, was it just a purely a lottery? I'm not quite sure if it is or if, or if you've done more races, you stand a greater chance of getting oh, it. Okay. So, so yeah, as Bevan said, uh, they had 200 applicants and 100 get the slot, so 100 missed out. Those 100 will get their slots next year. So it's... I think this is going to become more and more of a waiting game as as more and more people get up to twelve Ironmans. It's going to become a, this, this. I think that pool of applicants is going to get greater and greater. Did and they have it last year? They did. So, and, so it's the second year where yeah. it's actually running. And I think last year they only just. I don't know if they. T- I, think, I don't know if everybody got their slots or not, but I think it was it was pretty close. But if you apply one year, then next year you're more yeah, guaranteed. You only get it. Yes, I think yeah, so. so yeah, so so the, so for the other hundred who didn't do it this year, as long as they validate, so they have to do an Ironman in the next twelve months to validate their their kind of application. Mm-hmm. So if they if they go, then they're pretty much the next next year's guaranteed as well, really, yep. isn't it? So Barbara Jet Rocket Nelson, um, who we had on the show talking about menopause, she's got her slot through that. Mm. Well done, Barbara. Yeah, very good. I thought she would have done it already. Not sure. Oh, this office. He hasn't, John. Yeah. So it's a good stuff. Um, and they also had lottery winners, and uh, it's interesting. Most of them are US. Um, if, you, if you scan through them, yeah, there's quite a couple few. Kiwis. Good old uh, Richard Blemish and uh, Rich Walker. And he's just done the Boston Marathon, John. Mm. John's loving the chocolate. Going pretty quickly. <laughs> he's killing the chocolate. He's going to be wide by the end of the show. <laughs> uh, so there you go. The Legacy Program. I, I, I love the Legacy Program. I think it's a good move. It is interesting. I do think that you'll get, like, it's interesting. I think it is a motivator for people to do lots of high men. And I know um, the guy I know, he's, he decided he's going to try to do 12 in the next kind of two years or three years. And so, um, but then he might have to wait three or four years to actually yeah, good point. You know, like it isn't because if, if, if there's that motivated for a lot of people to think, bugger, I'm going to get to Kona, I'm going to do it this route. I'm not, I'm, you know, to qualify, I'm not sure if I'll ever get there, but, and I can do the lottery, but I can guarantee I'll get there this way. Nut out for a year for the next three years, get them done. But you might have to wait three or four years. Yeah. And a lot can change is, in three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's great. Like in the poll this morning, there was a girl there um, who I've known for a while. I said, oh, how many Ironmans have you done? She said, 13. I said, oh, yep. She said, you know about the Kona lottery thing? And she said, yep, I'm on it in the next couple of years. But she's been going at it for like a good 10 years plus. And those are the kind of people that I, I think, yeah, good good, good stuff. Yeah, totally. It's good. It's good. Um, coming up this weekend? Coming up, we've got the physio, physio man in You actually get physio Pisa. treatment while you're doing the race. In Pisa in Italy. And then you've got Hits Marble Falls no, I added to Lake, Lake Tahoe is now going to be 25th. We've already talked about that. 70.3 in the States. Okay, John's sponsor. Okay. And Extreme Endurance. You're going to do it, are you? I am. Founder and formulator of uh, X Endurance products. And we're going to talk about Extreme Endurance. Extreme Endurance is the only product that I'm aware of where there's actually been a third party, double blind, placebo controlled clinical crossover study that was published and it proved a number of things. First of all, it proved that it lowers lactic acid by 15%, improves aerobic threshold by double digits, removes muscle soreness or lessens muscle soreness, increases VO2 max, and guess what? It lowers CK levels. That's the measurement of muscle trauma. 
One of the things, Sandy, that was uh, good old Sandy there from Extreme Endurance. And one of the things he was about to go on and say is to go and do like the Karen challenge, which is a CrossFit sort of uh, yeah, challenge you can go and do. And, and then you can see yeah, how, how different the level of soreness is. But one thing I'd say, if, you, if you're in um, a little bit of no man's land at the moment in terms of your training and you're um, yeah, maybe just having a bit of a run focus or something like that, try a little test that Hal, Hal Tao did a while ago. And he did a 5K, I think maybe he had two weeks between each one. So he did a 5K race and had two weeks later did a 5k race and two weeks later did another 5k race and maybe do your first one or two um, without extreme endurance and then try the third one with extreme endurance say take it for two weeks and see what sort of a difference you can you can make because I, I don't think that many triathletes will want to go and do the Karen challenge no but this, no, th- this no. can be a great way for you to actually go out there and see what sort of a difference it'll make and you know measure you know subjectively how sore your legs after are after each one and then take the extreme endurance see what happens to your time but also see what happens to your recovery and I can guarantee um, you'll should notice a pretty big difference so check it out xendurance.com use the promo code imtalk for, uh, imtalk5 uh, for, for a $5 discount and Kiwis and Aussies if you want any get in touch with me you can, or you can go to coachjohnnewsome.com and there's a little shop tab on there and it's got all the prices and stuff on there Good times. Extreme endurance, guys. Xendurance.com. Okay, so this week's discussion, John and I had a heated debate last week. Oh, yeah. But it's kind of been cancelled out, really, hasn't it? Um, With the whole idea of the split starts and getting more slots. Not really. It's still going to be. It wasn't, people weren't that interested. They weren't actually. No. <laughs> we got all heated up and, never, and we got a few, few answers. Yeah. So uh, the, the question John and I were basically saying John thinks that if you had 15 age group qualifying Ironman races around the world, um, that that would get you a stronger field in Kona. And I was arguing that maybe that wouldn't be the case because travelling reasons and all the rest of it that actually maybe as an overall if you still keep it distributed around all the races you'd probably end up with a stronger field in Kona anyway but so we are wondering what you guys thought and John you can start Gary Fegan I like the idea of of qualifying races it would probably kill off some of the, the non-qualifiers though as Bevan said before everyone likes to think they're in with a chance even when there is no chance the further field races like Malaysia will were seen as soft soft touch qualifiers oh, that's the thing I wonder is there soft qualifiers nowadays you know like that's the thing you know Rick uh, how do you say that one Jaswinski um, I think that getting to Kona should be a multi-year affair step one local race a local race non-regional championship race to qualify for a regional championship step two race regional championships and qualify for Kona regional championships should be the only way to get Kona slots uh, Richard Ray, I think having 15 age group qualifying races in Ironmans would make for a stronger field. Like your work, Richard, but it would ruin the non qualifying events. Do agree with you there a bit as well. Yeah. Um, who would pay I'm money to do non Kona qualifying I'm event? Mark Ryan's got, I do believe that we're on our way to a KPI type system for age groups in order to qualify for Kona. From a WTP perspective, WTC perspective, it gets the people to race multiple events in order to get enough points to ensure that one gets good results, doesn't get you to Kona. The All World Athlete Program may be a pilot study to see how the cream rises to the top. One thing WTC could consider is having two separate races over the weekend, dividing up the men's and women's fields. Now we've talked about it a lot in the past and it doesn't seem possible because the locals I don't think would want to jump on yeah. board. 
Joshua Crabb, uh, he's got a big one here. Obvious extension of the question is, what happens when there are more M.DOT races multiplied by age groups than there are slots in Kona? So if you have 50 slots at every Ironman race around the world and then you end up with 3,000 slots in Kona, it's just not going to work. Back to the question, I think that the stronger field in Kona will arise under different situations depending on the age group. The most densely populated age groups would end up with a stronger field in Kona if you forced everyone to race each other at one of five locations prior to Kona. That raises the bar for the highest uh, raises the bar the highest at each event and requires the best athletes to step up and meet the required standard. For less well represented age groups, youngest fem- younger females and older athletes, I don't think one way or the other will necessarily improve the field in Kona unless you rebalance how many athletes are in those age groups. The real decision will be based on whether or not it makes Ironman more money. But I did read the question and tried to answer what was asked. Nice work, Joshua. Stuart Martin-Lawrence, when the last one has got, by changing qualifying races to, say, championship races, uh, will just be causing more congestion at the front end of the field. More drafting and therefore dilute the quality due to cheats being able to get to Kona. With the additional races such as Wales, Majorca, Majorca, Majorca. Majorca, and other races on the Ironman calendar, it allows for more people to qualify. It also gives stronger athletes more chance to choose races and therefore gain their slots. Reduce the drafting and hopefully get the strongest possible field at Kona. Also, please be aware that I am in I am Talk Cycling Kit is now available. Get on it, team. Oh, he's doing advertising for us. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot to talk about that. If you want I am Talk bike gear, um, we've got the bike shorts and bike tops, Anne and Pink. I am Talk.me and just click on our little store thing and a drop down menu for bike users will come up. Uh, and we're going to close it off on May the 10th. So you need to get, get, get on it. And as Stuart Martin Lawrence says, get on it, team. Get on it. Do you want to do any more? Uh, I don't think that's enough. Okay, John, your thoughts. We've got to know your thoughts. Okay, so let, let me give this scenario for you, Bevan. I, I, I think I think that Joshua made a really good point there. I'd purely been looking at it from my age group, 35 to 39, or one of the more populated age groups, trying to get the strongest field in Kona. And the top, top guys, you know, the top 10s, it's not really going to matter where they go because they're just going to qualify yep. wherever they go. But I'm thinking more about like our guest today, the Philinator, for, for people who are sort of more middle of the pack in terms of kind of middle of the pack, uh, making sure that they can get to qualify, qualify in the fairest possible way. So let's say, for example, you you're, say you probably use this as an Aussie example or, or a UK example because say, say I think there's four races in Australia. What is there? Australia, Melbourne... Cairns and WA, so the four races in Australia. Let's say you know that you're probably ranked, say, fifth out of all the Aussies and you want to figure out the best way to qualify. Would you rather that there's five slots at each race or would you rather there be 15 slots, say, in Melbourne and you know that if I go to Melbourne, I think I'm probably going to qualify. If I go to these other ones and I finish sort of third there, I probably won't get a slot. Or if I finish, uh, but if you, you know you go to Melbourne and you go to the 15 slots, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get in the top 15. But the the, the question—that's that not really the question because the question is what gets the best Kona field. Mm-hmm. And so if someone who's kind of on that next tier, I'm talking the whole field in Kona. So I, I agree that. But, but, but the, 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 what we're looking for is what gets the strongest age group field in Kona. Yes. And so for someone like Phil, who's kind of right a good athlete, right you're right on, on that borderline. Line. But then you've got someone like Phil who, you know, might be able to go to an Australasian race, which let's say the New Zealand they choose one, and they have 15 slots there. For someone like him, that's definitely really appealing. But mm-hmm. then there might be a guy in Wales who doesn't have a race close to him who goes faster than Phil, who 
doesn't have that accessibility to get to a race close to him. Well, let's for, for argument's sake, let's say there's four races. Let's just use the, the UK or the Aussie example. You've got four races. X number of slots are going to be allocated to that region. Let's call UK or Australia a region. And, mate, you want to get the best... 10 people out of those those four races, is it best to spread three three slots at each race or have 10 slots at one race? Isn't it much of a muchness? Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's like if, you go, like, if you go the best 10, do you get a stronger feel of that race? Do you, like, if you're, let's say, let's, just because you say there's going to be more slots at one race, are you definitely going to get the, all the best guys in that race? Or will you still get guys who want to do Ironman New Zealand and not do Ironman Melbourne that year? And so... Whereas if you the top the guys who would get it in Melbourne, even if they did New Zealand, have already got their slots. So then they would be you know like if we look at Pod, he already had his slot. The reason Phil got there was because Pod had his slot, really, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, so so those guys cancel out. So is it much of a muchness? He wouldn't. Is that if they hadn't didn't have spots at seventy point three, he wouldn't have had a slot. So that's another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly. But then, but then you could argue. That Phil was on that borderline that, you know... I, th- I think at this stage, it's not going to make that big a difference, but let's let's look 10 years down the track when there's another 15 Ironmans around the world. Oh, probably more than that. God, the way um, they put them on. Then, then I think this will become more of a irrelevant question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think what gets the best age group field in Kona is a really interesting question. And I think that, yeah... That's a hard one. I think if I do think that you, if you take slots away from races, it kind of hurts races in a big way. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you yeah know, slots are slots are their golden ticket. Because mm. that's the interesting thing is about you know Andrew Messick came along and, and I really like what Andrew Messick's done and, and there's, there's definitely some you great. Know what I really like what's that? This history. You really are liking it. Luckily, it's a big one because you're working your way through. You're gonna eat the cream egg as well. Yeah. He's not even started the cream egg. He's eating the big bunny. But um, I think Messick's done really good for our sport and definitely you know if we think about. You know, we, John and I, we'll say we'll say what needs to be said, but you know, you think about the discussions we had before Messick came along in comparison to what we're having now. It's it's they've done some really good things, and I think WTC overall are doing good work. When he came along, there was definitely a feeling of we need to see how we can expand our profit making ways in this business. You know, there needs to be things that we can do. Not just put on races. You know, and and how can we innovate outside the square and become you know, you know, a bigger bigger business as such. And they haven't really done that. Mm. You know what I mean? Really, if you look at what they're doing is, at this stage, to this point, it's just put on more races. Mm. And um, and even, like, I don't know, I'm not sure how successful those Iron Girl races are and all the smaller events they try. Mm. Now, 70.3 is obviously successful and Ironman are very successful. I'm not sure if mm. their lower brand races are actually going that well. We Who don't, knows? Yeah, we don't see it in that part of this, the world, but in this part of the world. But... You know, I'm really interested in, and and so we know that 70.3s and Ironman are successful, and their golden ticket really is the brand awareness and Kona. So brand awareness for general public, and then once you get in the sport, you want to get to Kona, or they're trying to make the world championships, and 70.3s appealing as well. So, how does the WC expand what they are outside of just putting on more races? Like, is there a limit to what they can become? No. Sorry, sorry, me streak. Yeah, we, um, can, we can hear. Yeah, I, I guess it's the big thing for me is whether they want to go down that path of glamorising the pro 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 side of the sport and really making the the TV coverage more about the pros than it is necessarily about all the sob stories. And I think that's a market that's still untapped in terms of getting that million dollar prize purse and really making a big making it a proper professional sport. I don't know if that would grow the sport. But that's a path they could choose. Sort of for income. Yeah, and then you get the, you know, the big sponsorship money, 
and you get hopefully a lot more TV coverage than what they One get. One thing I find really interesting about what this company does, if we look at WTC, what they are currently doing is they're kind of like a licensor of branding and they're kind of an events company really, aren't they? That's yeah. their kind of two income streams. I'm sure, you know, if I got to see the books, I'd see more, but, you know, really that's, that's kind of their main work from what we can see at this moment in time. And it's interesting how they line extend their name. Like it's interesting if you look at the smaller triathlons like Iron Girl and Iron Kid, and it's it's an all in line extension of Iron, brand, Iron Man brand. And it's interesting they haven't tried to create their own brands outside of it. So if you look at a top company like Procter and Gamble, what they do is they create the number one or number two brand in each product line. So their own Listerine, and that's the brand. That's it's only one brand in mouth mouthwash. But then they'll own I'm not sure which toothpaste but they might own like McLean's and they only have McLean's product for toothpaste so what they do is they have one strong brand in each segment of the market and what WTC seems to do is they seem to think that the iron brand goes over they're trying to line extend it so line extended is when I use my brand to take it into another area so let's say I did Listerine toothpaste it would people see Listerine as um, mouthwash so it doesn't really work you kind of hurt your brand by doing mm-hmm. that and over time the more you line extend your brand what does your brand become and what Iron Man seems to or WTC seems to have done with their races is they just think that the iron is the key mm-hmm. and so everything they try is you know Iron Kid Iron Woman Iron Girl you know and, and I wonder if they're maybe better off to go let's start different brands like if we look at what's the rock and roll marathons they're really successful marathon franchise mm-hmm or I'm not sure if it's franchise, but franchise or, or brand. And I wonder if they are going to look at doing different events, why don't they create strong brands just in the different markets that would be appealing? You know what I mean? And, and well, I think the Iron Man 70.3 is quite confusing. Yeah, yeah. So they marketed that in Auckland. You see Iron Man 70.3 and you think it's an Iron Man. Yeah. And it's, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's where line extension hurts your brand. But it's, it's just, I'm just curious to see, as we look to the future, is it that just 10 years from now it is just it's, it's pretty much the same thing with more races? Or does WTC become something bigger that actually offers more to the market outside of what Ironman is? And, you know, so, you know, that's, my, that's, that's totally off topic. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. But I'm glad you to finish your, your egg. Thank this you. week's discussion, John, pro yeah. performance of the year. So far, because the Southern Hemisphere season's basically done and dusted. And do we call the year Kona? Sorry? What do we say 2014? Do we call the year post-Kona? Post-Kona. Okay, so post um, No, basically Southern Hemisphere season. So October to now. So post-Kona. <laughs> well, you still have, no, you have, you have uh, well, Col- Col- Cozumel and stuff in, in November. So I don't, I don't care who did well in Cozumel. I'm focused on Southern Hemisphere. Okay, so the so best Southern Hemisphere. Best Southern Hemisphere. There's been that many results. Well, you've had uh, WA, you've had Melbourne, you've had New Zealand, you'll have uh, Ironman Australia next week. You've had. It hasn't uh, happened yet. Yeah. You've had all the Southern Hemisphere races, South Africa, Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. There you go. Four races. Except for Brazil. That's Is that so, that's you, so you allow that one in there? No, it hasn't happened yet. Oh, it hasn't happened so yet. Southern okay. Hemisphere up to now. Or post Kona, excluding Cozumel and. Why, why do you want to exclude those guys? Uh, Southern Hem- not Southern Hemisphere. Check a postcode in there, guys. Okay, we've got an interview coming up. We're going to interview with uh, Nate Pearson, and he's from uh, Trainer Road. So let's chuck it on right now. Okay, um, you guys heard last week on the show us um, introducing trainerroad.com to you guys and how I've been using it as one of the tools for myself um, as I sort of work my way through our impending winter and how beneficial I've found. We've got today Nate Pearson from Trainer Road on and he is one of the co-founders and we always like getting interviewees on who also... 
uh, talk the talk and walk the walk. He's a triathlete, done over 40 triathlons, lots of bike races, and also got the family gig with um, with kids and everything, so he knows how important it is to, to keep the balance and make the most efficient use of your training time. So welcome along to the show, Nate. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, can you give us a bit of background? I mean, I've given a, a two-second background on, on yourself, but maybe... Um, how you sort of came about trainer road from I guess your own training experiences and um, and how you sort of got the company set up and we can talk a bit more about exactly what trainer road is in a moment yeah so um, I was doing uh, triathlons and supplementing my bike training with uh, bike racing and I was doing these compu trainer classes at a local um, bike shop and they're they're really cool them you'd come in for an hour and you do a you know a structured interval workout but the problem was that uh, when I couldn't afford them, they were 20 bucks every time. And if I wanted to go like two or three times and, uh, I couldn't afford that at the time I was a engineer, but a lowly engineer. And then also it took me like an hour to drive there and set up. And then afterwards, you know, to, to tear down and go home. So it kind of took up my whole evening after work. Um, and I thought, Hey, I could build this myself. So I went home and I, uh, I actually talked to another guy that I worked with at work and said, we should build this up. And then uh, once we got something going, we came to the coach who actually owned a few CompuTrainer studios and said, hey, uh, you know, the workouts are so important. And he's a, a level three elite road cycling coach and he's, you know, trained national level guys and that kind of stuff. And uh, I said, would you like to be a partner too? So he came on to do all the structured training plans and the workouts and all the science, the exercise physiology behind it. Mm. So that's that's how it started. And uh we were bootstrapped, so we started with uh, all together. We put down ten thousand dollars, and uh, I built it nights, weekends, <clears throat> mornings, lunches, uh, while I worked full time job. Mm. And we had a kid, and then we launched, uh, and now we're doing it full time. We have some employees, and it's really cool. It's really actually, it's so much fun doing this as our uh, full time job. I just went for a, a run at lunch, and you know, it's it's just. Perfectly normal. We have a we have a gym here. You know, you want to do a trainer road workout? More power to you. People just go in the room and it like it's really a, fun. I, I, know, I know we're here to talk about the the trainer road, the kind of your service today. But is it kind of cool? You know, like I'm not that much of a practical man in that sense. With the whole idea of oh, I've got an idea, I'm going to make it. You know, like the you know yeah. this, this kind of a course concept. So is it kind of rewarding to kind of have this idea and to watch it grow into what it is today? It totally has, but. Um, it's like rewarding and I'm neurotic too because I have this um, – when we first started, we can get into future stuff later, but I have ideas of where I want it to go. Yep. And we've only done like the first 10, 20% of it that I yep. want to do. So I'm always like, oh, we need to do more. Let's go faster. Yeah. But we also have to keep quality up. So uh, it's – you know, internally I'm like I, I haven't accomplished everything that I want to yet. But it's also – I kind of sometimes I look back and I go, oh my gosh, look at all this stuff or look at this code that I wrote two years ago. Uh, that's it's cool to be able to build something yourself and kind yeah. of builds on top of it. Yeah, I like it. So, um, yeah, as I said, we we introed what Trainer Road was about last week, but can you explain, I guess, where you are at the moment and and what the product is? So, if, if people don't have a clue what we're talking about with Trainer Road, explain, you know, basically what it is. Yeah, so we're we're indoor cycling training software, and um, the whole purpose about us and the niche we fill is. Any um, cyclist or triathlete that wants to get faster, we're, we're for them. So basically people who want to uh, uh, you know, set up for a race. 
so how they do that is uh, we do it through power, uh, power training on our bike. So we pick up live heart rate, speed, power, and cadence via Ant Plus or Bluetooth Smart, the sensors on your bike, and we display it on our, in our software. Um, so what happens is you sign up, and the first thing that you do is an FTP test. An FTP is called the Functional Threshold Power. We're getting a little bit into power, but you need to know this kind of stuff to kind of get your head around what Train Road is. FTP is the power you can hold out for, um, for an hour. It's pretty much your threshold of power. So um, what we do is we do a fitness test to calculate that FTP number. And then based on that, we scale workouts to your fitness level. And then you pick training plan um, tracks for you know, how much time you have and how experienced you are. Um, and, and by, so every day what you're doing is you're coming in and you're doing a, uh, sometimes intervals, sometimes not, but you're doing a power workout where we're giving you specific <laughs> targets based on past performance. And, uh, it's, we have a lot of exercise physiology research behind it so that you just, um, that you spend your time, uh, you know, the most time efficient way you can, you know, yep. cause a lot of people, they usually go, they go too soft. Or they go too hard. You know, like the guy who does like one monster, 120-mile ride every two weeks. Or the person that's like, yeah, I train 20 hours a week. And you go out with them and they're like so slow. Yeah. Uh, there's a balance in there. And this is obviously personalized to what your numbers have said in the past as well. So it's not just kind of, hey, you know, we're pulling this out of the year. It's it's actually this is what your tests have said. This is what your training has done to this point, And this is how we've catered today's workout. Yeah, it's, it's really cool is that uh, we've had a lot of uh, – uh, success rather than like kind of like Fitbit or some other kind of sites give you badges like, oh, you've done 10 workouts. Here's a badge. Yeah, yeah. We have this FTP number and you retest every four to six weeks and you, it's measurable. Like you go stronger. Like yeah. if your analogy is you're doing bench press and you go from like, you know, 125 to 175, it's like, okay, I'm stronger. Yeah. And it, it translate, it, you know, proportionally to out to the road about how much faster you are. And so the, another interview we've got on today's show um, that you guys are going to hear shortly with uh, the Philinator Phil Patterson is one of the big differences in, in our training that he and I train together is, is yeah, really making our training a lot more targeted using power. Um, and But not everybody does have a power meter. And so you've come up with some strategies for people that um, have just a, a standard magnetic trainer on how they can actually tap into your services and actually make it um, really targeted and effective as well. Yeah. Um, so what we've done is develop something we call virtual power. And so every trainer, let's say, uh, we'll take a, I'm not sure what, down there what you guys have, but I'll take a Kirk Kinetic Road Machine, which is a fluid trainer. It's very popular. Um, the resistance unit is fluid in the back. It has a, a special power curve to it. So um, each one of those is manufactured with the same amount of liquid in it. And if you're going X speed, you're putting out Y watts to achieve that speed. So what we've done is that we've hooked up power meters to bike trainers. We've done about, I think, 300 of these tests. And we've uh, we've calculated power curves for all these trainers. Mm -hmm. So to do that, to train with power, you put a speed sensor on your bike and you measure rear wheel speed. And then based on the speed of your rear wheel, we put out power numbers. Um, now, the one caveat is that is that what we're not measuring is the rolling resistance. So that's the, um, the, the between the tire and the rear drum. So how to, to, which what we say is you want to keep your setup consistent. So those numbers are consistent. So you want your tire pumped up the same. You don't want to switch between like a trainer, trainer tire and a race wheel. Mm. And then you um, tighten down the rear drum the same every time. Yeah. And if you stay consistent, 
then you can consistently measure yourself um, training. And the kind of the good analogy is that imagine you go to the gym and you're going to go, this isn't the weightlifting one and say all the numbers are off, but they're all 40 Watts or uh, 40 Watts, 40 pounds heavier. You can still train that way. And you can still, uh, yeah. you know, lift weights. And if you get stronger, you know, you're getting stronger, but you just can't compare to other people. So virtual power too, you can't compare to others because you don't know what that rolling resistance is, but for 10 bucks a month and a speed sensor, you can train like you have a power meter. And it's like this huge gateway drug because people try this and they go four to six weeks and they retest and they, they're stronger and then they get it. And then they go, oh, I want power outside. I mean, <laughs> we should sell power meters because uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure we sold on that. a ton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, oh, yeah, I love all this stuff. And I think one of the key things that people need to remember is, so the workouts and trainer road are all percentage of FTPs. So um, yeah, you can have a couple of you, if you're set up in your garage and you can be doing a, a you know, trainer road workout and it's all percentage based off that FTP test that Nate's talked about. And um, I guess one of the other key things is you've just got a, a, a massive big library of, of different sorts of workouts depending on, on what phase of training people might be in or what type of workout workout they want how, how many workouts have you got oh um 800 i think or more and you can see now you can join teams too so if you're on a special team they can have their own custom workouts inside of that yeah um but the a real selling point that we have are our training plans so that's that a level three elite cycling coach he creates these it takes him like weeks and weeks to create these plans and they'll be like a uh, 40k time trial there's a half ironman one there's traditional base sweet spot base cyclocross uh the mountain bike, those type of plans. And these are like, uh, they're, I know other sites kind of sell plans like these and they're usually like $120 and you get the sheet and it says like Wednesday, warm up for 10 miles, then go hard for three minutes on and easy for two minutes, you know, and, and that's your training plan. But we're giving you like exact, we give you instructions during the workout. So we'll mm-hmm. put text on screen about pedal stroke and all that kind of stuff and what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, but also there's weekly instructions and we're, we're telling you exact power targets as you're doing it and we don't charge for it. Um, we probably should, <laughs> the, the, the biggest thing people tell us all the time and, uh, I don't know why I haven't listened to them yet, but they're like, you guys are too cheap. Uh, well, yeah, that, that is the thing is like you look at your, your service and it's pretty great and it's really fascinating. You know, we think of wind trainers and in the past it was very much a chore for all athletes, you know, and some of us it was a necessary evil. But whereas nowadays, it, you know, it's turning into a tool that even people who can train outside will use as a part of their training to get better and, you know, these types of tools. And, you know, for what you guys charge, the service seems pretty bloody amazing. You know, like, what is it, 99 bucks a year? Yeah, 99 a year, yeah. It's like uh... – I know I sound like a salesman, right? Like I must no, be well, insane no, to do prices this low. Like, yeah, yeah. We're giving it. Do you get some nice with it? You know, you're giving away. Yeah. <laughs> but ten dollars a month basically is what is what you're looking at, and um, you know, like it's 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 amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, and as you said, there's hundreds and hundreds of workouts in there. Can you? We, we've got our um, I am Talk team set up, um, and I think we're going to talk to um, Jonathan or somebody like that a bit further down the track uh, uh, about how we're going to develop this, but can you explain how the, how the teams sort of work? Yeah, so um, the teams on Trainer Road, the idea is to make like um, carved out communities for how you want to train. Um, you can create a team, and they can either be public or private. So um, for you guys, you obviously want to make a public team where anyone can join it. Um, a coach or a local cycling group or a local cycling team, they might create a private team. So you create the team, and then there's an easy way to see everybody's workouts. But you can also create custom workouts. So if you guys have some like key Ironman or half Ironman workouts that you want to put in the group, 
you can do that. Then anyone that joins the team, those workouts will be in the software for them. Mm. And then there's also a, a, a forum that anyone can uh, post in on the team. So it's a good way to communicate. It builds into the teams like a cornerstone. We want to do in the future, uh, we're, we're making an iOS app right now, but after that we want to do live workouts so that like, like at 2 o'clock right now we could get in a room and all three of us could work out even though you guys are in, uh, in New Zealand and yeah. we're, I'm in Reno. So that's like the... And you need a team to do that because then you can see, you know, an alert when one of your team members is working out and you can send some, you know, I don't know what the, I don't want to swear on your thing, but talk, uh, yes, no, uh, yes to them. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so you can talk shit to them, right. Yeah. As a training, which is what every team member wants to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. Very good. Um, and guys, you already got to remember, I'm, I'm doing some workouts at the moment and I'm posting them within the group. So if you're on, if you're already on trainer road, make sure you look us up and join the I am talk team. And if you're going to give it a, uh, give trainer road a crack, make sure you also join the team. Um, for example, at the moment I've got my sort of six by two minutes, 20 at 133% of FTP up there. And I've been doing Ooh. that workout for a few weeks. Um, and this week I'm going to be doing a, a 30 minute FTP, uh, 30 minutes at FTP, but then, as as Nate said, you know the whole workout will be in there. It won't just be right. Get on your bike and ride thirty minutes. I'll be building in a structured warm up and then thirty minutes of FTP. And so you'll be able to follow the the indoor sessions that I do as I sort of uh, lead into Kona. So it's um, yeah, it's just a it's a great way to to grab some other workouts. Um, now, can you just explain uh, if people want to give it a go? I think one of the key things I want to get across is it works on Macs and PCs. Um, you basically yes. need it just a little Ant Plus stick. But just for the people that always get scared about technology, maybe just explain how it works. And I've got to say, it is bloody simple. It was the first time I used it; it um, it worked, which is always always good. And it was good. No, no dramas. I just plugged it in, and it, and it just go. worked. Good. Yeah. So we have a uh, there's a little getting started link on our homepage that really helps with what equipment you need. But basically, you you got to write you you know ant USB stick, and those come with. Uh, uh, most Garmin watches, or you can buy them online. And then you need a if you're if you have a power meter, you're set because all power meters are Ant Plus. But I think besides the Pioneer or something, but no one uses that. Mm. And then the other, um, if you're using Virtual Power, you just have to you go to that Getting um, Started tab, and there's a link in there to uh, check your equipment. You have to make sure you have a trainer that we support. And if you don't have a trainer that we support, email us at support at trainer.com, and we'll help you out. Um, and then you just need a speed sensor um, to go and to enhance your workout. You can also pair a <clears throat> uh, heart rate monitor. Uh, we we can pair a Wahoo Kicker, a CompuTrainer, a Powerbeam Pro, a Cyclops 300 or 400. There's a whole set of things, and, and that's all explained on the website. And then if you have any problems at all, um, email us at support.trainer.com. We we like we understand that between. Like one of the most common things that people email us is they say, oh, I don't get any speed, speed readings. I don't, I mean, I don't get any power readings. I don't get any speed readings. And we say, do you have a magnet on your rear wheel? And they go, oops, I forgot that. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that's like the most common one is that uh, it's sometimes the cycling equipment can be a little hard to do, but uh, we're here to help. Yeah. So um, it's pretty simple, guys. I mean, I'm using it with um, the Wahoo Kicker, and, and the way that that really helps me is then it actually controls the resistance on the kicker. So I basically just get on and I just ride. Whereas if you're using more of a, st a standard trainer, then you've got to, to look at your numbers a bit more. But it's um, 
Absolutely brilliant. And, you know, for me, as Bevan said, you know, sometimes it used to be a bit of a chore to get on the, the trainer and you've got to really think about what sort of workout you're going to do and blah, blah, blah. For me now, I basically know what workout I'm doing. I get on and, and I just, you just do it. And you've, and it's uh, in a very efficient and effective use well, of Well, and it's the thing, is like for me in the past, the, the, the trainer sessions were always the most unmotivated struggle session I had, you know, mm. that, and I'd really try to avoid them because I knew I was pretty unsuccessful at doing them. Whereas now with, with tools like this, is that I imagine they're probably some of the most successful sessions you could have in a week because it just provides you with motivation and feedback that you can make decisions, you know, it just drives you in a way that was probably never possible in the past. So guys, check it out. Um, yeah. and, and, and Nate, so um, Jonathan's told us you, you're sort of looking at, and you mentioned before, an, an iOS app. You know, what's in the in the pipelines for Train Road? Yeah, so right now we're we're building an iOS app, and we're pretty far through that. The design's ninety percent there, and we can pair devices, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do a workout with it today. Actually, so um, we want to make an iPad and uh, iPhone app, and then the um, we have a challenge coming up called 8DC, which is eight days in California. And it's a, an eight-day challenge that mimics eight days of stage racing. So it has a storyline built in while you're working out. So you'll be a, a domestique on a domestic pro team and we'll kind of put you through what it would be like to do a real race. And it's really motivating and you get to, you end up with, I haven't looked at the numbers, but it's probably around 800 TSS in eight days, yeah. which is, that's, you know, that's cat one, my buddy who's Cat One, he aims for 800 TSS a week, which is, uh, it's an insane amount. Um, yeah. But it's it's good to do a it's you know a super super comp what is it called super compensation yeah yeah uh, but yeah the yeah the little short sections of high TSS like that and then as long as you recover it can really push you to a the next level. Very um, nice. And then live races the live races that's one of the other things that when I started training around I said oh, I should be able to do yeah, live cool. races at home or you know live workouts with anybody. So everything we've been building up to then, that has to happen. And part of the reason why the price is so low, too, is because uh, we want more people because if it's if there's no one at the party, live races or live workouts aren't any fun. Yeah, of course. So yeah. now we've, we've reached a critical mass for people that we can, you know, we can start doing that. And we think it'll be I, – I personally, I'm, I'm so excited about it. I want to do it all the time. Oh. We have the tour of tour of train to road, you know. And, and, yeah, and those so those live races will all be sort of percentage of FTP. So it's you know if you're racing a 16 hour Ironman versus a a, a nine hour Ironman, it'll be uh, all sort of fair fair rather than uh, that person who normally just gets smoked straight away. Yeah, so that's that's I guess I should say the wording right. This will be there'll be two different things: live races and like workouts. Live workouts will be the first thing, and you're right, it's all percent of FTP. So I um not even close to qualifying qualifying for Kona. Um, but I could work out with you yeah. and then I could have, uh, we could have a competition though, as long as we're not on kickers about who does their prescribed interval the best. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of the cool part. It's not who like, you know, has the biggest ego and who can go the hardest that day, which happens a lot on group training rides, mm -hmm. but who can do the workout the most to the closest it's prescribed to them and who can concentrate and smooth mm -hmm. out their pedal stroke and really nail it. And then you can have, you know, Little competitions. You have six intervals. Let's have six competitions and have a winner. I think that would be super motivating. Oh um, yeah. And oh. if you see everyone's data, text, and talk like this on Skype, we can. Yeah, that's no, pretty be, great. That's, yeah. And that's the big difference is we, we were doing a, a workout on Saturday, Phil, who's on the show today, and myself, and I was on the kicker, so I had no choice but to ride the power. But yeah. he, he was on a, um, 
on a tax, I think it was, and he was just on a, on a manual ride, so he had to actually concentrate on his numbers, and uh, and he had the choice to, to opt out a little bit if he wanted to, whereas I basically either ride or fail. Um, <laughs> ride or die. Uh, totally, I think that's a good way of, of doing it is yeah, how well people can concentrate and actually this is the workout, how close you can actually hit it. It's, um, it's very cool. So, um, so guys, if you want to check it out, go to trainerroad.com and um, you can sign up there. And as I said, 10 bucks a month. It's well, What are the sort of obligations when you sign up um, in terms of you know, sort of $10 a month? But uh, is there any particular period people have to sign up for? How does that work? Yeah, it's uh, cancel any time. So you can even sign up for one month. And then you can also um, suspend your account and you don't get charged for that. So if you only wanted to use it during the, the winter, you could suspend your account. We keep all your data, and you can still check your past workouts. And then when you're ready, you can sign back up again. Oh, that's great. Cool. So 10 bucks a month, guys. It's a bit of a no-brainer, really. And if you want to get it even cheaper, you can go for $100 a year, so 99 a year. So um, check it out. It's a tool that seems to be pretty bloody fantastic. Yeah. Check it out, trainroad.com. And, Nate, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, guys. Okay, John's sponsor. Athlinks.com. Yes, tell me about it, John. We had Troy on last week. Yes. And, um, rivals was a little politically incorrect for some people, so they now call essentially the people you race against uh, links and kind of cool. What look you can do some really quick stuff now as you click if I, if I click on links and I go head to head and races brings me up a, a nice little list of the people that I've gone head to head with and then I can it just brings up a, a, a list of names and it tells you how many your win loss record against them and then if you want to actually go and figure out the races that you've raced against and there's a little plus sign on the right hand side so Andrew House who was giving me some grief at Ironman New Zealand for uh, the fact that he still has the course record according to for, for Ironman New Zealand according to Athlinks we have a, uh, a 3-0 win loss record there for me really? and, and I can just hit the little plus sign and it can tell us all the times we've gone head to head in the 70.3 in Auckland uh, the ITU World Cup in Auckland and the SBS Marathon in 2010 which is actually the one that we saw Phil uh, talk about yep well, we haven't actually talked to him yet yeah it was coming up <laughs> I imagine he'll talk and about Phil it Phil would have taken him down there as well oh, maybe that's a different Andrew House no maybe it's not 3 hours and 59 seconds versus my 2.44 so pick up your game Andrew House you might have a course record but at the moment you've got a 3 and 0 race that's what, that's what Lynx can do you can almost treat them like rivals. Yeah. <laughs> and then I can go, Pete, I'll get old Pete McLeod, who I saw at the pool the other day. He's off to Ironman Cairns in a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Basically pull up our head-to-head records there. It's Auckland 70.3 this year, 70.3 in Kona last year, and it basically will give me all my, my time splits. So it's one way he can, you know, Pete's not necessarily ever going to beat me, but he can go at 70.3, um, pull these results up and actually see how close he is and whether he can actually get closer each time. So in uh, 70.3 in Hawaii, he was an hour and two seconds behind me versus in Auckland, he was an hour 21 and 28 seconds behind me. So some would say he performed better in Kona than I did. And he got his, he didn't get his Kona slot in Kona, he got it in uh, Ironman Canada. So it's just a cool way where you can quickly go in, see who you race against regularly, see what your run, your, your win-loss record is, and then if you quickly want to pad out, see see what races you went uh, went head-to-head to them and what your sort of splits were, um, just a cool little way you can do that. So check it out on athlinks.com, and remember if you've got any upcoming races coming up, make sure you add them in there and allow a bit of smackdown talk. There you go, athlinks.com, guys. Check, check, check it out. Okay, guys, we're going to put Phil Nader on right now, actually. So Phil Nader had the second fastest age group run at Ironman New Zealand this year, and uh, and – I wouldn't say it's a surprise. He's a good athlete, but you know, I think he surprised himself with his run, and we pretty much get straight into it in the interview. So here's Phil Patterson. 
<laughs> Here we go. Right, we've got Phil and Ed next to us, Jombo. Well, this, it's not, this week is not Legends of Triathlon, but it probably should be. <laughs> oh, there's no denying it this month. <laughs> the Phil and Ed, a legend that is. Yeah. I am actually struggling to get a guess this month. So <laughs> oh, has it fallen through, is no, it? No, it hasn't fallen through at this oh. stage, but um, it's been a bit of a challenge. But uh, Phil and Ed, second fastest run split out of all the age groupers at Ironman New Zealand, out of about 1,600 people. And also had a pretty storming run in Auckland 70.3s, qualified for Kona. Well, and, and not being mean, but you're not that fast a runner. No. So, so how'd you pull that off? That's what I was going to say, is second fastest run split. But if it was a straight marathon, I can guarantee a lot of money that Phil will not get second uh, out of all the age groupers. So welcome along to the show, Phil. Thanks, guys. Nice to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so well, John's got lots of questions. He always does, and I never look at them. So, so the first thing is, is were you surprised with your run? Yep. Were you? Very. Yeah. Like, so talk us through the run because like obviously you had a great day you qualified for Kona it was, it was a great race yeah. but you know to pull off what, what's your piece, best in a marathon? Uh, I've only really won, run one straight marathon that was 2.56 I think And did that feel like a good marathon or did you blow? Um, well it was a tough day it was at Christchurch John and I both did 2010 I think Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is Queen's wet. birthday it was, yeah. it was freaking awful yeah. <laughs> I remember um, getting about 30k through and couldn't use my fingers to open any gels. And yeah. Yes, and it wasn't a great day. But for, for what I was expecting, it was pretty much bang on. Okay, so you were around that time at that time. And so yeah. then, so you come into Ironman New Zealand, you've obviously had a pretty good swim and bike, jump over the bike, you start your run. Yeah. He had a four minute breather on the bike. Though. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cheating. I, 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 no, no, not put, I pushed the rules. I pushed the rules. <laughs> Did yeah. you know you were pushing the rules? Let's be honest. No, then I didn't actually, because what had happened then was there was, a, well, yeah, it's come to other times. So I, was, I was a little bit close than I probably should have been. But um, I came around a whole pack of people trying to get out of the, the pack of about uh, 30 people and took about three kilometres oh, really? of coming through. And just as I get to the front and pull over, the guy that's coming behind me pulls in. And uh, the draft buster must have been following following everyone for a while. And when he came to me and the guy had pulled in, so I sort of got pinged. But frustrating. So the run. So so you ran what? What you run? Three or five? Three or four? So um, three oh three eighteen or something. I think. Oh, was it? Find. Yeah, oh, there we go. fair enough. Fair Sorry enough. about that. So so did you know you were going well? Uh, yes and no. I, I I knew I was going okay, and I felt pretty good. But um, I, I really honestly didn't know I was going that fast until um, I got through 37 k's and looked at my watch at the time to see what time of day it was and then realised I knew I was off the bike at 6.18. Yeah. And so if I really pulled finger, I might be able to get you know, 9.25 or something overall, which meant that I knew I was going to run under 3.10. Yeah. Well, so that was really the only so time. So you weren't, you weren't using your watch as yep. a gauge? Yeah, I, I was, but watch is a funny thing when, um, I don't know who else uses the watch for pacing, but you, you tend to look at it when you're either running quite well or quite badly. Yeah. You don't tend to look at it a lot when you're sort of going in your mojo. Yep. So that's what I sort of found. And, and you sort of looked at it and, oh, yeah, okay, yep, that's fine, and just carry on. I wasn't really concentrating that much. And there's a lot of case splits in Taupo where you Either going a little mm. bit of a uphill or a little yeah. bit of downhill, yeah. and they're a bit all over the place. You can't. Yeah, so I went through the first K and three fifty odd, and said, "Oh yeah, it's tailwind downhill." <laughs> went through the next one and three fifty odd, and said, "Oh yeah, it's still tailwind downhill." <laughs> and then, you know, and and then I really didn't. I I felt I ran how I felt good. Yeah. And I did feel a bit nervous actually when uh, on the guy Crawford was in a, on his second lap, and I was on my first, only like three k's in. And I kept catching him, 
And I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I should be catching any of these pro guys, <laughs> even yeah. if they're on their second lap. And I passed them. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll just carry on, see how it goes. And were you apprehensive, you know, because there is that thing about, you know, don't go too hard in the first half of the marathon, or first 30Ks of an Ironman marathon. So were you apprehensive or were you just like, you know what, feeling good, going for it? Yeah, that feeling good, going for it. Well, not really going for it, feeling good, just going to carry on. Oh, wow. So, um, and how big a PB was that on the run? Uh, well, I'd run... 316 I think it was in 2009 so 13 odd minutes I think and the big difference was he just followed my training program there we did go. that last time as so well just advertising for you, you, is it? you, you yeah well last you, time though you actually gave me a training program to follow this time I just did what you were doing yeah. so it was a little bit different but and so normally I would have thought except obviously did it better John because yeah, I ran exactly. faster than you yeah. would, would you run? So I, yes <laughs> I had a little break <laughs> fill some confidence <laughs> Um, Let's be honest, if Phil had overtaken you... Wouldn't have been pretty. Would not have been pretty. John doesn't like those. If Phil could swim, he would have beaten me. Because he lost 10 minutes in the swim. We, we, what, did we ride the same plus you had the penalty? Yeah. yeah I think so we're about 20 essentially seconds Essentially, you rode quicker than me and then ran six minutes quicker than me. You need to swim every Tuesday morning, mate. Yeah, exactly. It's so, been for a lot of that for a long time. I'm not a great swimmer. Um, so... First up, um, you've been trying some different techniques in terms of uh, staying mentally on your game and your lovely wife, Jen, if you're listening, hi Jen, um, highly unlikely that she is. But oh, I think she'll probably listen this time. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, See you on Friday morning. At least for, at least for two minutes. <laughs> she was saying in it's Auckland, the height of her week, Bevan, Auckland or, it might have been either Auckland or kind of 70.3, like fit, what the hell is Phil smiling for all the way through the race? So you've been trying some different things and that was the main reason we wanted to get you on today other than your legendary run performance is to talk through some of the techniques you've been using to, I don't know, stay positive or just, you know, okay, just what you've been... Don't tap table, sorry. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no, because it's coming through the table. Nervous tick. He's just excited. <laughs> so, tap your leg. Talk, talk us through... <laughs> funny you should say tap. Talk us through some of you. Yeah. You'll find out in a minute. Tell us uh, some of the techniques you've been using to, I don't know, just... Well, can, can we, before we go there, did you feel... What made you start to focus on more of the mind game? Well, it, um, it's a bit of a long story, to be honest. Hey, we've got time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's sort of it, it all stemmed from the earthquakes, actually. And uh, as you guys know, I'm a structural engineer in Christchurch. So after the um, September and then February earthquakes, we were just absolutely manic with doing stuff. Yeah, going around, overworked, crazy. Yeah, yeah. just frantic um you know just a, a comparison i said to someone is that uh you know before the earthquakes you just never had to say no to any work you mm. just you just sort of make a way you know you might work a few extra hours here and there but um and effectively just got myself into a massive hole where i just didn't couldn't really see how i was going to get through it mm. just had this mountain of work and i was just so behind and trying to help people and it's a major stress really unhealthy yep. lo- losing self kind of place yeah just like you just had no idea what to do yeah you just to feel completely and absolutely lost yeah. and so um i came across uh this lady from a, a friend of mine who's actually a builder he'd had some some life stresses happen and he said oh look i'm not going to tell you what it's about just go and see her and talk to her and see what happens and um that was really good at um, and it's really just a way of taking the feelings out and dealing with reality rather mm. than making feelings dominate how you feel. Yeah. 
<laughs> not really right, but um, no, no, because it, it, and it's a bit of a man thing, isn't it? That man yep. thing of just harden up, you know, and yeah, that kind of man not, thing. Nah, don't 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 let you know. You need to um, just take it on and deal with it yourself, kind of thing. And, yeah. and, and actually, that's not the best answer, is it? No. Well, it's not an answer. That's yeah. that's exactly what I found is that because I was doing that and it wasn't wasn't making me feel any better. Yeah. Um, so I just yeah just took that, and it was just a really good way of dealing with your feelings in a way that getting back to reality yep. as to what actually is going on. Yeah. Um, not so much that you have to deal with any of that stuff, but just making you realise what the actual reality is, not how you feel about it. Yep. Um, so because when you feel about it, it, you get unrealistic about it, whereas yep. when you can deal with it, you have a more rational approach. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 Dealing with your feelings at the time to um, sort of deal with them and then you can put them behind you and yep. move on. And then the more that you do it, the better you can deal with them yep. as they come up. So, and I saw that the potential for that is that, hey, I can deal with things how, I can deal with things and get it behind me and, and, and focus. Yep. And um, as John knows, I'm a pretty poor swimmer, as we've just talked about. <laughs> and so I, I, I said, well, this is probably quite a good technique I could use to, to deal with some of the swim anxiety, because I've had a couple of, well, I had one issue with a swim back in Kona uh, in the, on John's camp, 2012? Two, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, had a bit of a panic attack in the swim and just, you know, just wasn't dealing with it at all. And so this would be a good way to deal with that, you know, to deal with those feelings as they come up and blah, blah, blah. And um, and that worked really well. Um, did a lot of the open water swims that they do over in Corsia Bay. And that was, and it came through there feeling really good, feeling actually like far out, I actually enjoyed that swim. That was mm. actually the first time in a long time I'd, I'd really felt that way. And so I thought this is great. And so I just sort of then passed it across into... You know, just really using it um, in the race. So, so when you talk about I shifted my kind of my conscious thoughts, what were some of the strategies you were using? Um, well, a lot of it, some of it was visualization. Yep. And um, one of the things that uh, we came up with was a, a trigger point. So what we did was we had this visualization about what would be the the most motivating feeling like what's the best thing about the whole day that you're going to look forward to the most and for me it was the finish it was that last 150 meters where you know that you've done it and if you had an absolute perfect race how would that feel to come across the finish line and what we did is we programmed that so that when i squeezed my um, index finger forefinger and thumb together i could feel it and so every time I needed to have some motivation, I wasn't feeling great, I could squeeze it and it would trigger the thought in my head as to what it would felt like and it would actually just motivate you to, to carry on. Yeah. So, the, so she was doing NLP, was it? Because it's like anchoring, isn't it? Yeah, EFP is what the... Um, sure EFT is what, is what this is. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, so you, you found... You must have been getting a bloody sore finger in Taupo then. No, I, 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 well, um, not really. I only used it probably... Four or five times. Mm. Just, and, 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 and did it work? Yeah. At those moments? Yeah. I can still do it now and, and have that feeling. Yeah. Not yeah. as strongly as it was then because I'm not, you, as much not practice, yeah. I, practicing it as much and not utilising. I don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. So then you've also got something about tapping? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the technique. Another. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tapping is to tap your head? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's all these trigger points. And there's it's on the it's on the crown of your head and it's between your eyes it's on the side of your eyes it's on the top of your lip underneath your lip 
on the top of your chest, on the underneath your arm. Now, are these different emotions you're trying to tap in different no, places? What, 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 is it all just reinforcing the same? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really big on exactly how it all works. Yeah. I just know it works, so yeah, I'm yeah, sort of, of, course, I sort yeah. of accept it. But basically, it's a way of tapping into your conscious mind and plugging these thoughts into it. So mm. you deal with how you feel and you get rid of that and then you plug in what you want to feel yep. and how you're going to deal with these things. So you're programming emotional states yep. really, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, yep, I suppose. Like I said, I'm not, it works for me and um, it's been really effective and so I'm just... So so let's say someone's out there listening to that and, and you know, because I'm sure our world our show tends to attract a certain type of person who are very kind of driven to be successful and I probably have that work-life balance probably training life not so sharp so effectively nutters yeah exactly <laughs> that's our audience really isn't it? <laughs> we, we, we know these guys well so so I suppose the question is is um, who ha- what would be your advice in like is there books people can read or is it about trying to find certain people or what you know like yeah I, I honestly don't know because it, it was a a, a builder like I said, he had some stress in his own life and I was just telling him one day about how I just was feeling just completely lost. Like, yeah. you know, I just didn't, I had no idea <laughs> how I was going to get through all this. And he said, oh, I think you should talk to this person. So that's, and it's, like I said, it's worked for me, so I've done nothing else apart from that. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you know, I think one thing that's really important is just actually the, the, the first step of talking to somebody to address the problem. Because um, I know that, um, like I do a bit of mentoring myself and it's really interesting is that often in some ways, ways I think I, I like to believe that I bring skills and, and things that help my clients but I often think one of the biggest things my clients get is an as an offload yep you know is it's someone they can communicate to, to, to yeah. that's not actually attached you know like if your partner if you're sometimes there's yep. emotional things with your partner you yep. just you can't have that conversation yep. in certain ways and to have that person who you can kind of go to and it might be a mentor it might be you know psychologist or it might just be that mate who you know you can kind of go to a deeper level yep. with, but it's actually having that that offloads a really big yep. part of it as well. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. yeah. So, how much um, practice do you actually do this? Because you know, um, we always talk about the different things you do in training and whatever. And if you don't practice them, then you come to race day and you think they're all going to yep. happen. So, practice how much, makes permanent, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. How much um, time did you spend sort of getting it, and 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 how often did you call on it during the race? Um, like if I go back and think about it from the progression from work, uh, when I was there, probably three times a day, mm. sort of for a while, just getting used to. It takes quite a long time because first of all, you feel a bit weird yeah. when you when you it's first do it. It's a bit, yeah. yeah. And of course, because I'm a science based person, you know, being an engineer. And, yeah. Um, Where's the logic? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, why am I doing this? What what am I? What's the benefit? And it's a hard thing to sort of, but um, you know, made me feel better about stuff. So I just sort of carried on. And then once you sort of, once you know that it works for you and you can deal with stuff, it makes it a lot easier. Mm. Um, but probably, so probably three times a day for a few weeks and then a couple and, times a day. And at first day. it's about just trusting it because you're not really getting the benefit yet? Like, yeah. You, you don't really yeah, understand yeah. it at first, um, do you? Well, you do get the benefit. Like when you, when, when I saw um, the lady I was seeing, you'd get the benefit instantly. Like you'd, you'd leave the session and you'd feel, yep. you know, it's a relief. Yeah, 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 yep, exactly. And you'd feel like you actually had some direction, like you actually felt quite motivated about it, and that's what I sort of really thought. Hey, I've, this is this will this will work. Yeah. So I found it quite good to see her sort of every th- two to three weeks, depending on what was going on. And then um, you'd get you'd have things would come up. You just feel a bit over overwhelmed to start with. So then you'd use your technique, and it would you know 
get rid of things. Now, so your technique, was it not just for the sport? Because obviously you've, you've said I've used it for my race. Yeah, primarily it was for work. Yeah, so it was about stress release, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I would just, um, not... Or being relaxed or something like that. Uh, giving me direction, probably, okay. in, the, in the truest sense that I don't mind being under pressure and I've got lots of stuff to do, but it's a matter of making sure I know where I'm heading. Yep. And that before that, I didn't really have yep. that. So it kind of gave clarity. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then sort of carrying on, John, yeah. from what you're asking is that um, then the more that you do it, the easier it is to deal with stuff. Mm. So therefore you don't need to do it as often. Yeah. And so then I just sort of did it maybe once or once every two days or something, sort of yeah. depending on how I was feeling and, and what I needed. So it gave you better coping skills overall. So then the t- using the tool was less, yep. you know, and you just knew it was in your toolkit if yeah. you needed it. It's the sort of thing that you sort of deal with all this, you know, if you think about all the stuff being all this baggage which hangs around you um, and you get rid of all that baggage and then when something pops up, you can yeah. pop, bang, and deal with it really quickly. So yeah. it's, it's, it's nothing near as, as hard. Yeah. Um, but then coming into the race, I was sort of every second day and then, you know, the night of the race and then the morning of the race before I just, just to get that last bit of preparation. And, and how, like, you know, like obviously, you know, post-earth, like for you guys in your industry, post-earthquake was bloody crazy in Christchurch. Yeah. Um, but then doing this stuff, obviously it made you a better athlete as well because I imagine it made your training more effective. Or is that uh, not the case? I don't know. It. Yeah, I couldn't. I don't know if that's actually the case, okay. but certainly made it so that I could train. Yeah. Whereas before, I you know, I don't know. I, I certainly wasn't in a, in a state to really give it a yep. good shot. And in terms of the training um, you did this year versus uh, what, what? What do you think of the things that made the key differences? Obviously, you've got your, your mental side of things that helped you a lot, but you still have to be in a pretty yeah. fit, fit place to yep. to go that fast. What were the, some of the key things that you did that made the difference for you? Probably just training a lot more with you, John. Oh, <laughs> I said that question up. Just, here's the try line, just pass the ball to him. <laughs> Golden pass, that one. But one of the things you talked to me about is um, we, we do a core session on Mondays um, a lot, and I think the, you said sort of the reinforcement of that, and uh, you do a lot of drills and stride work with your running, yep. and that sort of the cumulative effect over a long period of time seems to have finally kicked in. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, a lot. As you're actually going to hear on next week's interview, one of the key things that Noakes sort of talks about is uh, is your to be a faster runner. You know, it's the impact time with the ground and being being able to explosively take off on the on the ground and and so that sort of strength plyometrics, yep. core work, yep. um, steer work we've done, and you do a lot of that stuff by yourself in your own runs as well. Yep, that's right. E- every single run, I would do drills at the end to reinforce what we've done. And it's very similar stuff to what we're doing on the Monday night with the core session. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, you know, since the the one thing I noticed when we did that marathon training for Christchurch is that we did a lot of focused uh, running, like with real intensity yeah. or, or, or real meaning. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've noticed that... Uh, you know, John and I, we've got very similar family situations. Very, our wives do lots of stuff together, go to the gym. And so the, the time that we can train is often at the same time. And so what that's meant is that when we go out, we do a fairly quality session. Mm. And it's the quality which has made the big difference. I don't think I'm training, I'm certainly training less than what I was probably even in 2008, 2009. Yeah. But the quality that we're doing is like, you know, it's 
So training his purpose. Step change difference. Yeah, training his purpose. And, and when I'm out there, I know I'm doing something that's taking yeah. me closer to what I want to yeah. be. I remember you, Bev, on the podcast a while ago talking about uh, when you were leading up to Rote and about how, you know, every session had had a purpose. Yeah. And I sort of, that's effectively what happens with John. I, I don't know what the purpose is often because he's telling me what to do, but, you know, there is a purpose there. But there is something into that, isn't it? Like, I know with my running business, you get, you know, we, we definitely target the lower end of the market, but we also get the people at the half marathon market. We get a lot of people who have ran for years and, and they come to the program and because every session has objective to the yep. program, they just yep. progress massively because yeah. most people will just go out and train. Yeah, they, well, they, well they, they're not really training though because all they do is go and run. Yeah. And if, if you run that all the time, then, you, you know. Yeah. It's just, and it's, then they come into a structured program where you have different objectives for different sessions and stuff and they just have this massive growth curve because yeah. they have, the, you know, and, and obviously in our environment that's set up and it's what you're saying is working into John's environment, yeah. that kind of naturally happened for you. Yeah. I mean, John is a faster runner, so I don't know how all this stuff happens, but... Um, you know, just doing, especially on Monday night, we did lots an insult, of, really, wasn't it? <laughs> I was like, bang, get away No, 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 it was supposed to be the other way around. I, I, I don't know how it happened. Um, well, it just goes yeah, to show right. how effective you are as a coach. Nice, he passed that ball back. back. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> um, just, there was lots of lots of times I remember running with John and we were doing, you know, 5Ks at, I don't know, 3.30s or 3.35s, yeah. and I am hanging on. I am just about dying. Yeah. And um, just having someone there that you're running shoulder to shoulder with, you know, you. and just pushing yourself when you need to. So you, it's it's a bit like, and John would say the same. You know, you got to run hard when you got to run hard, and you got to run easy when you got to run easy. And often people will run the hard too slow, and this and the slow too hard. So they they mediate their pace too much. Because yeah. if you can get that gradient of speed makes a much better difference to how well you run, I think. So I suppose the question I would have is, because we've got a lot of guys that listen to the show who've done you know, quite a few Ironman or been in the sport for a while, and you're kind of an example of that. Um, what would be kind of your take-homes, you know, take-homes, uh, your take-homes around, uh, you know, making that next step? Get a power meter, get a GPS watch. Yeah. <laughs> so, so good tools? Yep, fantastic tools. Because um, you, you, you can't manage what you can't measure. Yep. So having those tools just gives you the, the ability to, to get instant feedback as to what's going on. Um, but really it comes back to that, having a coach, believing in the program yeah. and following it with the intent. I, I think one thing that probably is not, you know, it's important is to find people who have similar ability or slightly better ability to train with as well. Yeah. You know, like it seems like you guys complement each other in the training that's, you know, of value. Yep. You know, and like you're saying, you know, like I used to train with you a lot as well. And like, it, it, you know, I know that I always train better if I trained with other people. Now, there's a competitive aspect to it as well, but as long as you've got that structured program that, you know, so don't go too crazy on the yeah. competitive side, actually having a great training partner is a really important thing, isn't it? Yeah, yes, it is. And there, But there's also key times like John and I did a session, uh, did a three-hour bike, half Ironman effort, and then did a two-hour run and did it over the, um, which we've got a local loop here called the Downs Loop, um, which is actually just around the back from my house. It's like about 500 metres away. And so that's quite rolly, a bit similar to what Taupo is going to be like. And started out, so John and I did our bike and then I ran towards his house and he ran towards me and then and sort of a hug yeah (laughs) don't be ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) i started sounding like my wife (laughs) um and then sort of halfway through the first lap it was like this is not going to happen on ironman day i'm not going to have john to run with i'm going to have to run to a pace which i can sustain out of my own motivation so i actually um dropped off and let john run away as 
I sort of expecting he was going to, and then just had to run it myself at my own pace. So, so there are times that you've got to simulate that race situation so that you can deal with things as they've come up on race day. Nice. So, so having a training partner, but also making sure you develop the other side as well. Yeah, because on race day, you're not going to have that person to run next to. Yeah. And, and even if you do plan that, there might be a punch, there might be a mechanical, yeah. there might, you know, who knows what, what, what could happen on race day. So you've got to be prepared for all those mm. situations. And the other thing, um, just touching on that technology stuff is the technology is great but halfway through Auckland my power meter magnet dropped off so I didn't actually have power for the second half so then you got to have something else to be able to you know mm. um, gauge your effort to so developing that feel as well yeah so and then in Taupo I used the power meter I used my heart rate and I used um, yeah my feel yeah. just to be able to check and then I was actually probably using the feel a lot more than my power meter because I was probably going a bit harder than I, what I thought I was going to but by keeping in check about that you know the first deep breath as to when that happens that was sort of my gauges to okay yep yeah, it's going okay nice uh, and you've got a big year in front of you um, we're going yep. <laughs> your, your phone's beeping you've got to be in an appointment no I've got to turn it off I don't want to have the thing ringing that's all right. <laughs> um You've Nothing worse. Big year and going to Kona 70.3 and then Epic Camp uh, Canada. So, providing we get through all that, uh, maybe that's one thing because we're going to be uh, talking a bit about um, the Tanyapura camp uh, later on. But you've come to a few of the camps in Kona yep. and you seem to really enjoy it the fact that you turn up at the camp and you don't have to do anything other than train. Oh, it's fantastic. Honestly, I just, just such a great experience to be able to go and do it. Mm hmm. Um, I, I agree, but I, I do agree, especially like you know when I did epic camps, I was not really working, so it was kind of it was just yeah. an extension of the life I had. But I think yeah. for particularly people who have a busy life and have families, it's, you know you get quality training, but it's also it's a bit of a de-stress as well, isn't it? Yeah. In kind of a strange way, isn't it? But it's just what I find the coolest is you're away with all these like-minded people talking about stuff, and you're all into the same things because that's why you're on the camps. Yeah. Um, but I did find it I, I always thinking about this as I was, I was heading away it was, it was two days before I was leaving and, and one of the other um, directors at work he comes into my office and he goes so okay so you're going away to Hawaii I said yep he goes so let me get this right so you're going to swim bike and run all day and, and that's that's that you're taking leave to go and do this <laughs> I said yep he goes it's not really what I'd call a holiday. <laughs> I said, well, I hadn't really thought about it like that, but yeah, yeah okay, yeah, fair. So for some people, yeah, so it's fantastic, but for some people it's quite a weird yeah. thing. And um, like John said, I managed to wangle going to Epic Camp Canada, which wasn't supposed to happen. I, a few great points I, for that one. Yeah, I, well, I come back from, I, I qualified in Taupo, and Jim was sort of all, you know, all quite excited and quite happy for me, and so I, so I struck while we were on the top. <laughs> and so uh, good old John, he's such a fantastic guy. He organised, he goes, oh, if you got on these flights, you better do all the things, you know. Because <laughs> the big thing for me was I had to, be, had to be there for my daughter's fifth birthday on Saturday, the 16th of August, and I had to be able to go take her to school on the Monday morning. That, yeah. yeah. I, it didn't really mean much to me, but Jean was better. <laughs> Don't let her listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so John organised that. I, he goes, oh, if you're on these flights, you better Travel make it. school, go straight to the airport. Yep, basically. Yeah, yep, then, that's it. And then yep. the camp starts the next day in Canada. Yep. Oh, nice. Oh, Phil, we'll be looking forward to a sub three-hour marathon. Well, what has it got for Kona? It's got, will you beat John here is one of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I won't beat John. Because you've done Kona before, haven't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah and wh how did you go that time? Uh, that was 2008. 
Yeah, I was pretty happy. Um, had another drafting penalty over there too. This is a common theme <laughs> happening here, isn't there? Yeah, I pushed the limits. Well, Phil, he does have to come back from a long way in the swim, so he's got to. Yeah, you've got to get through a lot of people on the bike. Yeah, I do. Because um, I remember in Taupo in two thousand and nine, I. I, f- I did like 9.29 or something, and I think I was 28th overall, but I was 333rd out of the water. Wow. So, so it's a lot. All day, of, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And so, that's the thing, in the run, actually, uh, uh, this time I was actually a bit worried. I was saying to John, I got to the third lap, and you're passing people. You're not passing people on the same lap, though. So yeah. I was thinking, far out. I can't find anyone to pass. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was starting to get me a bit worried. I was. Mm. So wait, so Golf of Kona? Um... Hadn't really thought about it yet. Because, you know, like the first time you go to Kona, I think Kona, it's not for someone like John who came from being a pretty high-level athlete, but for most people going to Kona the first time, it's almost like it's an easier race because you're just there to have the experience. Mm. You know, like you kind of go to Kona that first time, you've worked really hard to get there, and it's almost like you let yourself off the hook a little bit because, hey, it's Kona, you know. Yeah. And so whereas you go back the second time, now you've had the experience, you've had, you, you know, a time that you've had there before. Yeah. So it's a bit more of a trying to achieve something, or is yeah. that what you're feeling? Uh, honestly, I hadn't. I, I do want to do the best performance I can. Yeah. Um, but we'll just see how the training goes. I mean, I want to better what I did last time. I did ten ten uh, previously, so I'd like to go faster than that. So that's a sub ten mark at least. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if, if possible, I'd like to go about that nine thirty five. Yeah. But that's quite a big step up from from there, and I've still got quite a bit of training to do and a lot of swimming. Yeah, mm. no bloody wetsuit. Yeah, it's not going to help. <laughs> There's a hidden. Very good, Phil. Better let you get off and do some work. And uh, we yeah, we just, just to price up for my my door there while you yeah. get away. <laughs> oh, for you, Bev, I'll do that one for you for free. Yeah, yeah. thanks, mate. Consulting good. Yeah, hang out all day. We'll make yeah. you coffee. Get <laughs> some bacon and eggs. I'll get you on the breakfast. Oh, don't talk to him about bacon and eggs. That's your daily staple. Sure is. Yep. Very good. Thanks for your time, Phil. No worries. Okay, Jumbo sponsor. Coffeesofhawaii.com. Check your Facebook page, John. You Check need to go there. Check your Facebook page. They 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 post some uh, pretty cool photos and stuff up on there from time to time and also give a bit of love I, I haven't re- I mean, you're probably more of a Facebooker than I am but they have a, uh, kind of not so nowadays oh, I just promote my shit on there okay yeah um, they've got the yeah, with the way that coffees of Hawaii are on there you can uh, you can give them little reviews and stuff so if you give them a, a five star review so you love them supporting I am talking if you had some coffee get on it uh, they've also at the moment if you go through um, Waikiki and you go through the DFS gallery in Waikiki, you see a big uh, Coffees of Hawaii stand. Nice work. Oh, really? That's pretty cool, isn't it? Mm. It's really cool. Mm. So give them a bit of love on the Facebook page. Um, if you want to get yourself a bit of coffee, go to coffeesofhawaii.com. Make sure you use our promo codes off imtalk.me and just a great way to support one of the sponsors of the show. And check out their photos. Mm. Oh, with the beans swirling in the background there. Bit of Molokai style. Uh, oh, sex, you know, yeah, he seems sex. Speaking of Molokai, there was a guy on the news last night. Wow, would you wait a second, look at that photo. That's okay. pretty cool sky, isn't okay. it? Yeah. So Coffees of Hawaii's main base is on Molokai. Yep. And there's a guy who's just going in today to try to do the Cook Strait swim. Which yeah, I saw our, that. Yeah, I saw that. Crazy, eh? Hey? That's sort of our channel crossing, New Zealand version of the channel crossing. You swim from the North Island of New Zealand to the South Island. And 
it's not actually that far, but it's a pretty rough crossing. I think it's like 20, 16 k's. Is it only 16? Yeah, it, it? Wasn't, it was about 16, I think they mm. said. Yeah. But a bit like the Channel Crossing, it's not that far, but it's just you I'm get about eight hours. smashed. Yeah. And he looked like a quality swimmer. He, he had really nice technique. But one of their swims, they had, they, he was doing seven swims around the, the seven great swims of the world. And there was uh, swimming in New Zealand, there was a couple, and um, one was swimming. Was it in China or was it Taiwan? There was, no, somewhere in, in Japan. Something, something, some straight in Japan. In Japan. That's right, yeah. And then there was, uh, yeah, obviously a channel crossing. There was another one in, in, UK, in the UK, I think. And then there was maybe three sort of spread through the States. And one of them was um, was, was a Hawaii, small Molokai. Yeah, yeah. I think there might have been two two in Hawaii, actually. There might be the the one, the original sort of one in Honolulu, which is the rough water, is that the rough water swim where the Ironman yep. sort of originated? But they also had one in, in, in Molokai. So if you want to go to Molokai, check out Coffees of Hawaii and go do some big bloody long swimming. The question I have, John, is he didn't have carry much weight. I know. Because I was, I was going to go, oh, look, you, you look, he'll be carrying some weight. Yeah. And I was like, well, what's that about? No, he did not carry much at all. No, because, you know, like, you look at those long distance swimmers and they often are carrying a bit of weight. Out. Remember we talked to Paul Newsom. He yeah. said he put on a lot of weight. Yeah, and this guy was didn't look that overweight at all. Mm, so I'll be interested to see if he makes it today because it's, uh, it's a chilly swim going across Cook Strait. <laughs> Especially this time of year. Yeah. You know, you want to do it in January, wouldn't you? Yeah. Okay, um, so there we go. So that's Coffees of Hawaii, guys. Check check it out. Get on their Facebook page and check them out. Okay, whip side of the week. I couldn't no, bother no music, music on. this week. Couldn't bother. John, we've done this one before. Have we? I think we've done it twice before. Really? Uh, years ago. Oh, okay. This one's been around for years. So, Velo Minty? How do you say that one? Uh, Velo Min- Minati. Velo Minati. Minati. It's the rules. And it's kind of fun rules that you would have around cycling. We've definitely we've done this. Have we? Yeah. Number, oh, yeah. number one. Say he did it in June 1st, 2009. Well, he sent this through to us and then. No, that's when this post was done. Yeah, yeah. No, we've definitely done it. Number two. Number one, obey the rules. Number two, lead by example. Number three, guide the uninitiated. No matter how good you think you, your reason is for knowingly breaching the rules is never good enough. Number five, harden the F up. Yes. There were some funny ones in here. Family does not come first. The bike does. <laughs> it's just a fun little site to, to little have, have a look around. How many rules have they got? These are the rules of cycling, basically. And there is a lot of them. Goodness me. And tuck only after reaching escape uh, velocity. No, 90, rule number 93. Descents are not for recovery. Recovery ails after recovery. Nice. Uh, so eyewearers should only be cycling specific. No sprinting from the hoods. So that's when you when you hold on the top there. Why not? Because you got to get low. The drops, and yeah, get I know. Down the drops. Do the Mark Cavendish. The lower you get, the bit faster you go. Don't be, on a, don't be a jackass, John. No food on training rides under four hours. Keep your bars level. Never get out of the big ring. Saddles must be level and push back. Pronounce it correctly. Fish. All races should be referred to by the name given in its country of origin, and care shall be given to pronounce the name as it is possible. For Belgian races, it's preferable to choose a name given in its region of origin, though it is at the speaker's discretion to either use the Flemish or the Wallonian pronunciation. <laughs> this, this, one. this is quite before its time, this one. Live strong wristbands are cock rings for your arms. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, there's about a hundred or something of this. Don't, you? don't half wheel. Never half wheel your riding partners. It's terrible form. It, it's always the other guy who sets a pace, unless of course you are on the rivet, in which case it's excellent intimidation technique. 
I have to admit, I've got a mate who still wears the, li- the live strong. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> and uh, and you, you do he loses some credibility because of it. Oh, yeah. You kind of, you kind of think, well, A, we know the guys are cheating now. And B, that was so <laughs> 2008. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so if you're wearing the live strong still, maybe it's time to <laughs> let go. It's a cock ring for your arm that's cold. <laughs> oh, nice. I made my day. Okay, John, recipe of the week. Here we go. Okay. Make how how long do I normally have? I gave you two minutes last time. Okay, I'll do that. Wait a second, I'm going to put stopwatch on. I'm going to give it two minutes. Wait, two minutes starting now. Okay, so this was sent in by Nemo Bach. I've hopefully got your surname right there. The reason I like it for me, it's gluten-free, dairy-free if you use dark chocolate, nut-free, seed-free, everything we need to feed our little kitties. Kind of cool ingredients. You use uh, 15 and a half ounces of black beans, drained and rinsed very well. Three large eggs, three tablespoons of canola oil, three quarters of a cup of granulated sugar, a third of a cup of cocoa powder, a teaspoon of vanilla ex- extract, half a teaspoon of baking powder, a pinch of salt. And basically, this makes you black bean brownies. So you know you get your chocolate brownies. Yeah, black I love bean chocolate brownies. brownies. And you basically all you do is you chuck all that stuff in your your kick-ass. Um, Blender or your um, food, processor. Food, food processor, I should say, and done, and then you chuck it in the oven. How long and, do you cook for? Uh, you cook it for, Blender's cooked it both times, actually. Bake for about 30, 30 35. 30, 35 minutes. And if you go to my Coach John uh, project2014.com, and if you go to my post on Wednesday, the 16th of April, that is where I've got that posted, and you get to see a nice little picture of my son Thomas chowing it down. Okay, you get 120 calories, you get 5 grams of fat, 1.5 grams of saturated. It's just a nice way of getting a dessert. Get some good, sodium, healthy stuff. 18 grams of carbohydrate, mm. 2 grams of fiber, 3 grams of protein. It's quality. No flour or anything like that. It's just yeah. quality. So well done. Minute 20. I'll give you a minute 20 for recipe of the week. Okay, um, questions and answers. Just for cooking here from Justin Miller. It's not Justin Miller. He likes to be called JP Miller. Oh, okay, sorry, JP. I know. And so he's, and his Miller Max was what we called him. Is his nickname. And he liked the Miller Max, but he says, not Justin, JP. Sorry. Sorry, Justin. Just let you know. Sponsored. That, that was that was, that it. was, that, that was that's it. our question and answer <laughs> yeah, of the that, way. We haven't done we haven't done finishes in a long time. We haven't because we're doing nicknames and once stuff. We'll, okay, once we'll, we'll do like six months of finishes. Jombo. Yeah. Sponsors. Coffeesofwai.com. Uh, get on their Facebook page. Athlinks.com. Um, social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And trainer Rose. Uh, get in the team, guys. Get in the team. Okay, I've done my nicknames for this week. You haven't done yours, have you? Oh, no. Should we have a pause? No, I'll do the I'll do the 10 for this week, and then you'll do this next week's one. Okay. For, so, yep. so you can do the... Okay, so we've got Stuart Lawrence, and I've called him Ace. Because Ace is like the cool card, isn't it? Yes. What Stuart Lawrence could do is on his helmet, he could get the Ace. Mm. You know, like a war mm. soldier. Or he could get it tattooed onto his car forehead. Or yeah, forehead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a big Ace across the forehead. Yeah. What, what, what suit would you choose? Uh, what suit do I choose? I usually just go clubs. Oh, you yeah. like the dark suit, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go hearts. Okay. Because I'm a lover. I'm a, I'm a fighter. Far out. <laughs> Colin Fraser. He's the emperor. Yeah. Emperor who has clothes. Nice. Emperor who has clothes. Okay. Uh, Bruce Tomlinson, Speed Machine. I think he already had a nickname. Did he? Mm, possibly. Well, you get to choose Bruce. Mm. Speed Machine. Stuart Moore. I thought of Roger Moore and I thought 007. I thought you can't call him 007. Mm. The agent. Nice. The agent Stuart Moore. Agent. Go, he could walk around and just go like this. <laughs> just talking to a sleeve, you know? You could put a, big, you put a big A as well on him. Oh, yeah. 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 Get that tattooed on your forehead. Mm-hmm. Olaf, now, uh, have you got it in front of you? Mm-hmm. How's that one? Schwarweider? 
I'll go Schweidler. Schweidler? Schweidler, no hope there. Pipeline Pusher. Pipeline Pusher. I've gone to a bit of a surfing theme. I've gone to kind of a turn mm-hmm. of sports. And I just okay. Pipeline, he's in the pipeline, he's riding that wave and he's pushing it away. Cool, okay. Uh, Jonathan Huddleston, uh, King of Skate Parks. King of Skate Parks, new skate parks open. They're looking pretty cool, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't get people who hate skaters. Mm. I don't get That's it. It's great. It's kids, you go to the new skate park. It was pretty small in the past and they've kind of quadrupled the size of it. Mm. And kids are there all day moving. Mm. It's like, why would you not like that? Mm. Move with the times, Pete. Yeah. Um, oh, here we go. So this one, John. Where are we looking? Anuflo? Anuflo? Amuflo Martinez. Anuflo, that's a cool name. Mr. Clutch. Mr. Clutch. Yeah, Mr. Clutch is a good one. Uh, Sean um, Bonsell, he's bought about at least five of the books. The nice. Big Dipper, he already had a nickname as well, so he's a good cool. supporter of the show. Good. Scott Richdale, the Iceman, he's, uh, oh no, I think I made up the Big Dipper. Well, maybe I didn't. No, I don't I think I did. Uh, Scott Richdale, the Iceman, he already has a nickname. Good. And then Rachel Crowter, Crowter. Uh, six, six feet of sunshine, John. There you go. Because when she's around, you feel you feel good. Feel happy, I, I feel, feel happy. happy. Um, did you see him crying? Did you see that? Who? The guy wrote that song. No. Oh, it was quite special. He's quite a yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's that's this week's one. John will get the next one's done for next week, and uh, there we go. If you want to buy the book, we've still got about I'm not sure, probably about 80, 90 to go. So <clears throat> maybe a little bit less than that. We've only got how many more weeks? What what day did we decide? Sixteenth, wasn't it? Now, we stop selling on the 13th of May and we draw it on the 20th of May. Yes. So you've got about three weeks, guys. So if you want to get the book, you need to get onto it now. If we get to 500 before, then we stop anyway. Mm-hmm. It's probably, we're unsure. It depends if there's a kind of a mass buy before then, but it's going to be close to that. So get on, get on the book right now and you're going to draw of winning a trip to Kona, flights, accommodation, food, good times, rock and roll. Exactly. Okay, Jombo, your goss. My goss. Easter weekend, big Easter weekend of yeah, working, nice. cranked it. Apparently you could chop down some trees. Chopped a lot of trees down. And Does, do, the tr- do the trees kill your view? Uh, no, but they let in more sunshine. I mean, yeah, sunshine, you kill your sunshine. Yeah. 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 So, big weekend on the house, got some good training Did you feel done. satisfied? Yeah. yeah. There is something about day's work, eh? Mm, got a few cuts and few, got a, still got a couple of splinters i got to get out. I did some painting. Right nice. Yeah, yeah. Some sanding yeah. painted some Was woods. yours Osh approved? Mine wasn't so Osh approved. I had to go up a re- you know, one of the really <laughs> high ladders. Osh is our sort of um, occupational safety. Yeah, something got workplace safety workplace stuff. safety. Wasn't Osh approved. Really? Was, <laughs> I clinging onto that ladder pretty tightly. Uh, you, there are times when you think, oh, <laughs> what if I... Yeah. I was, I was once chopping some trees around there, had to go up the ladder and I was being an idiot so I put all the safety gear on. I yeah. had my bike helmet and, and I was just taking the piss and I had all this gear on, knee pads and everything and just being a bit of an idiot in front of Joe and then my neighbours must have had this family of stay on and so yeah. like, there's people just keep walking past and I'm up and he's dropping this like like a bush with, you know, that wasn't even that dangerous. I looked like a right cock and they must have just thought this guy's a real idiot. Nice. I couldn't do much about it. Nice. So what else you do? That was about it. Basically, you know, like what a Sunday. I went out for a three-hour bike ride and then came in and then I was basically working on the house the rest of the weekend. It's a beautiful Sunday. Mm, it was a lovely day. Yeah. Uh, outside of that. Uh, Did you go on a Lego movie yet? No, I have not done that. Waiting for a shitty day to take Thomas to that. I'm going to be kidding. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I don't know what I'm going to do at the end of this week. Belinda's taking the kids away on Thursday up to Kyteria and then I'm going to fly up on the following Tuesday. So Why are you waiting so long? Because I got to do some work, um, and then I'll be up there from Tuesday through to Sunday. So what do you do when you got the house to yourself? I've got the whole house to myself. <laughs> it's not even going there. And yeah, <laughs> and uh, 
no kiddies. And it's not like normally when I'm in that situation, I'm on a training camp. So yeah. I'm going to get a lot of work done. Oh, so you'd be very productive. Yes. <laughs> That's what you'll do when you get yeah. the house to yourself. Ben, what about you? Um, I had a day of excess. Every Easter I have one day of excess. Mm-hmm. Because I do like to kind of let loose a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so Friday was such bad weather. So we watched yeah. the movies and I just ate like crap all day. Mm-hmm. It reminds you to have your cream egg. Do I want it now? Am I going to get the same satisfaction out of this cream egg? I'm feeling a little full after that uh, big bloody egg thing, big, big bloody bunny thing. Cream eggs are always satisfying. Mm. You have to eat it before you get home, but don't I you? Will, I will. Always to hide it. I'll have it later on. Would you share it with Belinda? Not a cream egg. You can't share a cream egg, can you? No. You can't share a cream egg. Not a cream egg. Cream eggs, middies nowadays. It's not Pointless. Same. Pointless. Pointless. Jombo. Yeah. Did, did a plank challenge. So how long can you hold a plank for? How long do you reckon you do a plank for? Probably a couple of minutes. Oh, you could do more than a couple of minutes. No, I wouldn't, wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on putting any money on me more than three minutes. Really? Mm. Oh, I did 17. <laughs> Tell you what, I looked like an epileptic. I was having an epileptic fit. But that would have been the most fun 17 minutes of your life. <laughs> I'm shaking around like, so like a, a really bad dancer. champion? Yeah, I took it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, 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 the second place was a female. Mm-hmm. Sixth place. The, why does that surprise you? Sixth well, pig. Well, I, I think I am a bit of a sexist pig. I was surprised to be honest. Sixteen and a half. Mm-hmm. No, sixteen oh one was the girl who the, the person who got second, and then uh, and then I think about eleven minutes after that. But do, uh, do you rig it so there's no other gym instructors there, or is this gym instructors that do it? No, it's members and gym instructors. Okay. So it's anyone. You know, it's open to anyone. They just kind of every, every month they have a challenge. Last month they had a cycling challenge. I thought, yeah, I'm going to go and nail this. Mm-hmm. And then so I went and checked out how it was all done. It was basically a minute. You had to go a minute as far as you can go. Mm-hmm. So I was going, okay, well. Oh, no, it was how fast can you ride a K? Right. Like that. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go show everyone who's the fittest at the gym. Yeah. You know, he's kind of dominated. Mm-hmm. Turn up. And it wasn't based on power. It was just based on revolution. So it was based on your cadence. So the, the, the measuring device had no power measurement. So you basically, how many revolutions you could do. It's just how fast that. you could spin. Right. So it had nothing to do. And so everyone, like I looked at the times and everyone was, everyone was doing like a minute 30 to a minute 40. I was like, wow, everyone's pretty consistent here. And I was like, mm. wow, like why is this happening? And I thought, surely, because like someone goes to me, I did a minute 40 and I was like, oh, I'll smash you in a kind of fun way. And then, and then I thought, wait a second. I'm not doing this challenge because it's a false, it's a, it's a lie. It's a Keynes challenge. It's yeah. a good challenge. Well, I didn't do it. No? No. Possibly. Yeah, exactly. I've got a reputation to maintain. Band? We have, yeah. a, we have a band meeting next week, John. I thought you were away for a Or week. when I get back. Yeah. Band meeting. Mm-hmm. We've got an agenda. Mm-hmm. What is it? An a, 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 team? A, a, AGM? AGM. Don't know if it's quite an AGM, but. Yeah, we've got an AGM. We're going to take minutes on our band meeting. All right. Talk about our goals, mm-hmm. structure. Mm-hmm. We wrote a song yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is your stuff all packed up? Well, because I, I, I had band practice. Oh, okay. I got home from band practice last night. See that bag there? I mm-hmm. bought that on Trade Me. Mm-hmm. A month to get delivered. Mm-hmm. A month. You've given some negative feedback? I gave some negative feedback. The guy, the guy, the business owner rang me and literally just about crying. He bought a new computer system. Like he'd been on Trade Me for years and he'd yeah. never had any negative feedback. In the last month, he's got like 30 bad feedbacks. But it, it was pretty poor form and um, and it, it, he bought a new computer system so everything just got lost and he didn't know what was happening which is which I felt for him because as a business owner you know things can happen yeah. can, but his, his communication was terrible and he kept on promising so it, he didn't really handle it that well but the guy brings me up just about crying and, and it was one of those times where I was kind of busy and I didn't really have the time yeah. and he kept like he held me for like half an hour and I felt like going okay I feel for you man I, I totally get that it's a horrible situation but I gotta go yeah. <laughs> so um, other than that not much I've talked in this week. Good. Good Do my filming. Good timing. 
Yeah. Right, we've got to carry on. We've got to do another couple of shows. Well, we might as well kill a couple more minutes because we're not going to start the next one. Oh, we'll just ring them early. Oh, can we do that? We'll see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. So next week's show is basically what we're about to do. is an interview with uh, Tim Noakes? Professor Tim Noakes. And it's professor. a pretty high, professor, it's pretty high quality, I think. And then we're back in the studios the week after that. And we Look should, out for legends. We should also have our legends out. I've got, I've got to do the interview and hopefully it'll get happen in the next couple of days. If you want to do a camp, go to Tanyapura. Go to tanyapura.com. And that's about it. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia Kia car. Car. John, just quickly, we could have monthly challenges on the show. Mm, maybe after Kona. Yeah, like who does it look like? Like a plank challenge or mm-hmm. like a press-up challenge. And, and we can have one on train road. Uh, who, yeah. Who can hold their um, exactly. 130% of XTP. Post Kona, watch out. Uh, yeah. You'd be able to do that before Kona so you can win. Mm. So just, uh, there we go. <laughs> All right, see you guys next week.